Hey guys, Matt from Back Yourself Fitness here and welcome to another episode of the Back Yourself Podcast. Season 2, episode 2, how good. Uh, Very much like last time, just got a couple of quick notes to roll over before the episode can start. Exciting times. Now I said that in the previous episode, exciting times for Back Yourself Fitness. We still can't tell you what it is, but as of today, the point of recording this, end of Feb, it is very, 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 very exciting, and you will know very shortly what's going on. Um, what you've seen from Back Yourself Fitness in the past, it's going to get bigger and better moving forward. You just got to stay tuned. You got to hang in there with me. Um, before we move into today's episode, I just want to let everyone know that the Back Yourself Podcast has its own Instagram page, so give that a follow, Back Yourself Podcast, so you don't miss out on anything we have upcoming, but more importantly, subscribe to the Back Yourself Podcast so you never miss out on an episode. Uh, today's episode, I talked to Emma from Praxis. Yep, back at Praxis I am in season one. I spoke to Steve, one of the owners slash head physios there. Um spoke to him about his role, what happens at Praxis, etc., etc. Today, I talked to Emma. Now, Emma has been around at Praxis from close to the beginning, uh, also works with Aspley Hornets as one of the um, physios down there, but Emma takes care of the Praxis Pilates side of things. Now, uh, for those of you who haven't tried Pilates or Reformer Pilates, and this episode's going to be um, a whole new world for you, and I got through our chat and I was that interested to find out how my body would go on reformer Pilates that I'm actually seeing Emma once a week and it burns, 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 but in a good way. So I'm seeing Emma to help with my running, to help strengthen up my weak, uh, my weak points in my legs. There are heaps. Um, but this is an insight to why Emma does what she does, but also what exactly is Pilates and reformer Pilates and how she actually uses it in her physio work. So here is Emma from Praxis Pilates and Praxis Physio speaking about what makes her tick. Enjoy the episode. All right, here we are on location. Em. Hello. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am well. That is good. Uh, welcome to the podcast. Thank you. Thank you very much for having me. No worries. I am very interested. I say that to everyone. I'm very, <laughs> I'm very interested to get in some of the questions. Yeah. Um, we're going to talk a lot about mindset, mm-hmm. but in the in the realm that you work, recovery, rehab, mm-hmm. the process of yes. activation and mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff, a little mm-hmm. bit exercise nerd stuff we're going to get into today. Right. Yes. Um, but before we start at the start of every podcast, I like to start with 10 questions. Mm-hmm. They could be deep questions. They could be short answers. Yes, gotcha. Whatever happens, happens. Excellent. Cool. cool. All right. Question number one. Yes. What time does your day start? Um, so I get up at five o'clock every morning at the moment. So well, I set three alarms. So I've got a five, a five ten, and a five fifteen. You're one of those. Five fifteen. I'm out. So yep. up and about at five fifteen. Um, go to gym. Come to work after that. So yep. kind of my routine at the moment. Yeah. Uh, gym here where you work? No, I don't. I go to a gym elsewhere, and it's yep. more like some functional training sort of stuff. So gotcha. I like I I think about exercise enough at work that I like to go and be told what to do, so For I don't sure. have to think about it. So that's it. Like people. 
go what when I go yeah. oh yeah I train somewhere else yeah it's like oh you got your, your own gyms it's yeah like, it's like nah I just don't want to think about it I just want to go I yeah. want to work hard and then go to work after that be so, out of your space exactly yes and I know too many people might kind of get caught up I love a chat so I just kind of I get caught up have a chat my one hour gym session ends up taking me four hours yeah, so, yeah. I'll just do that I'll yeah. just do that exactly yeah. exactly yeah <laughs> uh, that kind of rolls into the next question mm-hmm. what type of training do you use so yeah mainly functional training is my sort of thing mm-hmm. I've um for I obviously do some Pilates work so I try to incorporate one or two Pilates classes a week. Um, But then I do mainly some functional training. For me, exercise kind of has to be a social thing. So um, the group training environment, I have a couple of friends that come with me and that's kind of how I enjoy my training from there. So So what you do is like in a group environment, it's not roll into the gym and do your own thing? It's all group-based, class-based sort of stuff. So Sweet. Yeah. Uh, How many times a week are you you doing that? Uh, Sort of four to five mornings a week and then, yeah, one or two Pilates classes a week. Okay, so so training every day or? Or you give yourself a rest I usually day. Sunday is my rest day. Yep. And then, yeah, every day I'm doing – during the week and on Saturdays I'll try and get something in. In an ideal world, obviously, that sure. doesn't happen every week. But yep. that's kind of my bit of a plan around exercise from there. Yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, how many coffees a day oh, are you having? Well, again, that in an ideal world. Um, <laughs> so it's usually two. So I'll have one first thing in the morning and mm-hmm. then one sort of just after lunchtime. If, it, if I'm having a long day or I know I have a big afternoon, I might sneak a third in sort of early yep. afternoon. But try not to do that much. But, yeah, yeah. two or three. Are you one of those people that like that can't have a coffee after a certain time? Otherwise, uh, you can't no, sleep. No, not really. I I think I probably am in terms of it probably affects me more than what I would like to think that it does. Mm. But yeah, if you I've, you'll see me having a coffee at four or five o'clock, then I'm okay. fine a lot of the time. But yep. yeah, you, I try not to. I know it's not great for you, so I try not to. But yep. yeah, yeah. So usually two. Yeah, sometimes if, three. If your day starts at five, mm-hmm. what time are you trying to you know get to sleep? Um. Yeah, look, ideally like 10-ish, 10.30. So yeah. I usually make the the call like I'll be in bed by 10, hopefully asleep by 11 is kind of where I'm at with yeah, that. Okay. So um, it gives me what? Six, six hours yeah, sleep, six probably, probably not enough. So yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. in an ideal world, I'd be at 10, 10.30 is kind of when I want to be sleeping by. So fully functional off six and a half ish yeah hours i would sleep? like to think so yeah okay. that six and a half might be when i have my third coffee but it depends yep. on um depends on yeah usually yeah there'll be if i do that a couple of nights in a row my body's like okay cool you need a bit longer now so sure. well, i'll have that longer sleep after that but yeah yeah changing pace a little bit yes what is the biggest misconception with pilates uh that it's like yoga Yep. It's very, especially reformer Pilates, like so different to yoga. So that's what I get a lot of people that come in. They're like, oh, I've done yoga before. So they think that they'll be good at it or like have an idea of kind of what's going on. But reformer Pilates especially is it's very different to all other forms of exercise. So um, it's definitely not just stretching. I use it more of it's a strengthening thing more than anything else. So yep. yeah, a lot of people come in and there's that misconception that it'll just be a bit of a like easy breezy stretching session where it's definitely, oh, not, oh. It's definitely not that. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. And that's one of my greatest. I love that when people come in, they're like, oh, this will be a breeze. And then you 40 minutes later, they're like, that was one of the hardest things I've ever done. That's one yep. of my favorite things about my job. So yeah. I even like I was doing hot yoga for a, yes. a minute and one of the classes that I could go to just mm-hmm. in my schedule was a Pilates class. Yeah. I was like, oh, sweet. I'll, I'll go along. Yeah. yeah, yeah. After the first 10 minutes of doing glute bridge variations, yeah, I was like, hey. I'm in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> I am in trouble. You get 10 minutes in, you're like, I've got 40 minutes this to go. Like, I don't understand how much longer I've got this in me. So, yeah. 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 Uh, this is probably a very broad question. And I don't mm-hmm. know if you'll be able to give me a specific answer. What's the most common or one of the most common 
imbalances mm-hmm. or injuries you come across? Uh, injuries as a physio that mm-hmm. also teaches Pilates, it's probably um, just any like low back pain on the spectrum. So yeah, in terms of Western culture, greater than 80% of the population in their lifetime will experience low back pain. So then especially a lot of people correlate Pilates with, okay, I think Pilates will be good for my back. So I'm going to go and do Pilates from there. So um, a lot of the time, back pain you can strengthen your way out of which is great that people then choose pilates as a way to to deal with that in that sort of sort of active um rehab which is what we try and push um so but yeah usually with that like glutes are a really big one a lot of the time in terms of it might not be imbalances but just like weakness as comparatively to the other side so those asymmetries um and then yeah anything that attaches up or around the pelvis will often yep. affect anything going on in the back as well so kind of like yeah any of that lumbo pelvic weakness asymmetry all of that sort of stuff that's so- a huge thing i see and that again not just in lower backs but that's important in sort of knee pain ankle pain anything a lot of people are like why am i strengthening my hips when it's my ankle that's the mm. issue where a lot of the time that has a lot to do with it from there as well i feel like and feel free to correct me mm. if i'm wrong i feel like it's the area from your lower back mm-hmm. to the tip of your hamstrings yes. whether yeah. it's muscular or structurally mm-hmm. or it's just in control of so much. Hundred percent. Core yeah. hip flexors. Yeah. Everything. Um, glutes. How they do. Yeah. How your knees work. How your ankles work. Yeah, and that's the thing is like I, I like to think that we don't just look at one thing. So when people come in with back pain, I check lots of things around there because mm. nothing in the body happens in isolation. It's all yes, okay, cool. This is the outcome, but there's this, 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 and this is kind of contributing to that. So yeah. it's the sort of thing we'll we'll just be chasing our tails if we just treat your back. It's the sort of thing we have to kind of get everything else working really well to try and get that better from there. So yeah, 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 cool. Um, do you yourself work from a nutrition plan or eating plan or anything like Not that? Not really. Um, I have previously. So I kind of, my like exercise journey is relatively new. Like mm. I only started really exercising consistently probably like a year and a half ago, which is horrible as a physio. Like yep. that's not, yeah. So, but it's something now that I don't know how I never did it. So yep. um, for a little while there, I did work from a bit of a like nutrition plan, but mm-hmm. from then I kind of just eat what I feel like not yeah. eat what i feel like now but eat what i know works well with my body and, yeah. and go from there i'm um celiac so unfortunately right. can't eat a lot of nice things which mm. is which is a struggle mm-hmm. but um yeah i kind of just listen to what i know works well with my body making conscious decisions exactly yeah, yeah. so i know like if i'm gonna have this on this day i might just be a bit better on another day or yeah, something yeah. like that so yeah uh this is gonna be an interesting one mm-hmm. do you believe in overtraining 100%. Okay. Definitely. Okay. What does overtraining mean to you? Um, the, yeah. So overtraining, I think just, uh, yeah, it's a pretty broad topic, but yeah. um, I think in terms of overtraining, it's a, yeah, it's relative to what your body can do and mm. asking it to do more than that for a really long period of time. So obviously the overload principle itself to improve, you need to do more than what your body's used to, to get that improvement. Mm-hmm. If within that sort of super compensation cycle, which is sort of your body recovers, you need to sort of give your body that adequate time to recover so that it can then get better. If you keep hitting it in that time when it's down, that's when you sort of get to overtraining. So um, overtraining means you're more susceptible to injury, you're more susceptible to illness, you'll just feel like flat, weak. Mm. And that's usually the biggest thing. People come in and they're like, I've been doing all this training, but I feel weaker than what I did when I started. That's a really big sign of overtraining. So yeah. 
yeah, and that's and overtraining looks like different things to different people. So to a trained individual, they can do five or six really intense sessions a week, and that's good. that'll be fine for them. Whereas someone that's just starting out, they can't do that. Yeah. So um, I think overtraining is definitely a thing, and it's it's something that you need to kind of watch out for. Which is why I like to the Pilates stuff's really good for that in terms of like active recovery. So for sure. especially if you're first starting out on your fitness journey, or um, you're finding that your body's just feeling a bit sore, a bit flat, it's good. You can still feel like you're moving your body, but not that really super high intensity all the time so mm. and that's yeah um, training progression and all of that is is important but um you kind of need to listen to what your body's saying sometimes and need to put a bit of a pull it back a little bit for so, sure yeah i think it's overtraining is built in my head mm. and this is coming from like a trainer's mm-hmm. mind frame overtraining uh, it's not it's not named properly Mm-mm. i feel like Overtraining to me is mm-hmm. cool. If you're going, let's take a bro exercise. Like, yep. Let's you're doing bench on Monday. Yes. And then the next day you're doing triceps mm-hmm. and chest or mm-hmm. triceps and shoulders. You've just mm-hmm. done two big push days. That yep. that to me seems like overload. Yeah, of course. Of, of training. Yep. I think th- what you just spoke about then is you talked about increasing the stress on our body. Yes. So I like overtraining isn't the right word. Mm-hmm. I believe. I think mm-hmm. you can have too many stresses on your body. Yeah, of course, absolutely. And that's day-to-day life mm-hmm. physical output yep. not putting enough fuel in yes how you're sleeping yes so yeah i'm one of those people that i <laughs> overtraining exists yes well in a in, in a, a like a, a definition standpoint there's something that's like okay this is overtraining this is like yeah so there's a definition for it but again as i said it looks very different in lots of different people for and, sure and yeah different bits and pieces can really um yeah affect that so mm. yeah and that's and for one person that's what a lot of people come in. They're like, oh, but I can see that person. They can do all of this and my their body's fine. So why can't mine? It's like, well, stay you, in your yeah, lane, people. Exactly. It's stay in your lane. You need to realize that they might have been doing this for five or six years. So of course that their body's resilient and they can, they can deal with that. Mm. Whereas if it's new to you, it's something that you need to take time to sort of build up with that. And that's mm. what, yeah, we see a lot this time of year physios this time of year very busy with eight week challenges and all that sort of stuff because people go from okay cool i have an exercise in 20 years so i'm going to go and do eight high intensity classes a week and then they get three weeks in and their body is not dealing well so yeah that's a thing i think we have a bit of a chat to them about sort of that overtraining be it um yes we still want them to keep doing that and i've worked in physio and i worked around sports people for a really long time to know that if i tell someone to rest they're not going to do it and i'm a big believer that rest isn't the, the, like there's probably 1% of things that rest is the going to be the fix for. Mm. It's usually about load modification and giving people, if I'm saying not to do a specific thing, I need to give them three other people, three other things that they can do instead. So they still yeah. are sort of getting towards achieving their goals as well. So yeah, that, that's a, a big mental thing right there yeah, as well. Like 100%. I didn't train today. Yeah. I'm screwed. Yeah. Like, and that's what, like you don't have to feel that sort of 95 to hundred percent, that feeling like if you leave the gym and you feel like, okay, I've worked for that 95 to a hundred percent, like that you can't do that every day. Yeah. Nobody's body, body's physically capable of doing that every day. It's something where it, going for a walk is still a form of exercise. Going for a swim is still a form of exercise. Whereas people just have to get it's that. It's that mind frame behind. You don't mm. need to leave the gym all the time feeling like you've got nothing left in the tank. It's exactly. That, yeah. You can bits and pieces along the way will then keep you adding up to that goal. And when you do have those hundred percent sessions, your body will have had adequate recovery so that you can really push yourself and be feeling like, okay, that was, that was a really good session from there. So for sure. And yeah, I, I I worry about certain gyms or places mm-hmm. that every day is high intensity exactly, day. Yeah. And it's like, you guys are going to injure yourself mm-hmm. and you're going to burn out and you're going to mm-hmm. feel like shit. Yeah. And then you're going to stop coming. Exactly. Yeah. And that's why I think gyms like that see a huge turnover in people where they'll go for a month or two months or, and they'll see, people will see really um, 
like good improvements in their body and everything within a month or two, but then it kind of gets to a stage where your body's like, I can't do this anymore. And then that's when they'll go and they'll try and find something else. But there's that big turnover in terms of, um, yeah, people, they, the people that are there one month, three months later, it'll mm. be a completely new group of people there. So, yeah. yeah. And I feel like some of those places are money orientated, oh, but, 100%, that, but that, yeah, let's not get that's on there, a different so. story. Yeah. <laughs> uh, back to Pilates. Yes. So what's the hardest part about Pilates you believe? For someone who's actually doing, like, let's just take normal Pilates. Mm-hmm. Ignore reformer for a second. Mm-hmm. What's the hardest part about Pilates? I think slowing it down is the hardest part. So especially if people, like, we get a lot of people that come in that they're using this as more of like a recovery or a rest. And they, a lot of people think that faster is better, whereas mm. in Pilates it's not. So usually if you slow it down and really take it sort of back to basics, it's a really, like, focal burn that is not easily replicated with much else so it's something that it's a different kind of exercise and it's a different feeling of exercise um and a lot of people struggle to really slow that down in the in the early phases to be like okay i just need to like slow this down think about this one movement usually they're trying to go at 100 miles an hour which isn't yep. isn't the yeah it's not going to be beneficial in terms of that so yeah. yeah really i think that's probably the biggest part the hardest part for people starting out is just thinking about moving slowly and feeling it where you should be feeling it and mm. getting there the thing with um, pilates too is it can sometimes take a couple of sessions to feel comfortable and to feel like you know what's going on so especially with the reformer like they're scary looking when you haven't seen one in a, for ever yeah. so you rock up and you're like this looks like a medieval torture device i don't know what this is they're getting me in all these weird positions my feet are in straps i don't know what's going on and then yeah people are just like uh and it t- usually takes sort of two or three i always say that to new people it'll take you sort of two or three sessions to kind of orientate your way around the reformer figure out what's going on to feel comfortable with what's going on and that's when you can sort of start to push exercises a little bit more from them so Mm. yeah it was funny i was talking to someone yesterday about uh reformer pilates like Mm -hmm. just I think talking about today and yes. like what you're doing. Yeah. And they're like, oh, the reform party thing. It's like, a, it's like a rower. Yeah. And it's like, a, and I was like, sure. Yes. Yeah, kind of. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really hard to describe to people when you haven't seen one before. So I usually use like, it's like a, it's kind of like a bed with a moving like carriage mm. that's spring based, but has straps associated with it as well. So there's, yeah, it's, it's a really hard thing to describe to people. So and if that's everyone what, wants to imagine that. Yeah. yeah. Have an imagine of that <laughs> and then Google it and see if they match up. Because yeah. my explanation probably doesn't do that very well. Spring. So, Spring, spring straps, yeah, all that spring stuff. Spring straps, yeah. yeah. Your feet go in them, it's all over the place. But yeah, yeah they're, they're, I do understand that they're really intimidating because, yeah, Pilates was something that I did way before that I used to instruct it. So, gotcha. yeah, that was something that I, my first couple of sessions I was, and I'm a relatively uncoordinated human, which is funny that I've ended up where I have. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, it's like, so it's um, a. I remember my first couple of sessions, I was like, I think I like it, but I don't really know what's going on. Yeah. But, and then it's the sort of thing where once you under, like your body kind of knows what's going on, you find your way around it. Well, you're like, okay, cool. I really like this. It's mm. great. So yeah, cool. Yeah. Um, a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. Do you train goal specific uh, or do you train to keep fit? Or more importantly, um, why do you train? Why do you go to the gym? I train mainly, it's like a mental mindset thing for me. So I've realized that, uh, training makes me feel good and it gets my brain going for the day. So that's why I, I always train in the morning. Um, it kind of is just, I know it's that like one hour of the day where I can go. I don't have to think about anything. Um, I leave, my body feels good and my brain kind of, it kind of clears my brain ready for the day. So that's kind of why I train. Obviously there's the, um, I'm, I don't have any, I don't really have any specific goals at the moment. I'm not much of a runner. So like my, yep. um, 
New Year's resolution this year. I hate resolutions, but I thought of a bit of a goal for me this year was to be able to do like a 5K run, which to most people doesn't sound like very much, but for someone who's never run in their whole life, it is, it's quite a bit. So I've always kind of tried and then I've had little niggly injuries along the way and I've kind of just given up. So um, I think that's kind of like a bit of a goal for me at the moment. Um, but yeah, that's probably more towards the back end of the year. This it's early starts of the year, it's all about just like consistency of training is that's and knowing that it makes me feel good. And it's more of a mindset thing. So that's kind of, yep. that's pretty much why I train. So it makes me feel better in myself and also in my mind. So yeah, cool. Good, ready to go for the day. So uh, I just want to branch off that mm. niggly injuries. What are you, what are you talking about? Oh, like nothing huge. I've had a bit of uh plantar fascia stuff in one of my Ooh, feet yeah. before. Yep. Um, I get a sore hip occasionally and mm-hmm. then I've, I've had a sore lower back occasionally. So um, the typical sort of overuse injuries, because I'm, I also myself, I'm a bit of a bang bust person. So Mm -hmm. that's why consistency is a big thing for me. um, Because I often go, like to go from zero to a hundred. I don't really ease myself into things very much. So um, just going from, so yeah, bit of niggles here and there, like uh, after a run or after doing like a hit session, my foot gets sore, but that they're all well controlled now that I've done the right things about them, which is good. Physios often make the worst patients. So it's something where it's like, I know exactly what's wrong with me but I'll I'm, be gonna fine. Keep, I'm gonna keep doing the annoying things that, that, that do it but um so yeah yeah bit of hip and back mainly is my yep. sort of stuff but yeah again my body will tell me usually it's if I back off Pilates for a while if I forget about that my body kind of like oh you should probably get doing that again yep. so that's why it, it kind of helps to tidy that stuff up for me so are you very um in tune with your body like uh, the messages that it sends or are you like that ah, should be fine I think yeah, I would like to think that I'm. I, I should be. Um, I'm pretty in tune with it. But I, again, I like to ignore them every now and again to be like, I really want to get this done, so I'm just going to do it anyway. Mm-hmm. But um, I feel like in the last, like, yeah, sort of six to twelve months, where I've really focused on my own training and, um, especially, yeah, focused on my own like nutrition, all that sort of stuff. I'm pretty in tune with what my body likes and what my body doesn't like at the mm. moment. So um, usually, and I kind of know the warning signs in terms of, okay, cool. I probably need to have, I need to back off this a little bit and add this in and go from there. Sometimes not good at listening to them, but I kind of know that they're there. So yeah. yeah and then, and then kind of going from there. So yeah. 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 Cool. Last question in mm-hmm. the first little run. Mm-hmm. What food is your biggest weakness? That's an easy one for me. Hot chips. Hot My chips. My favorite food in the okay. whole world. Um, I'm a bit of a sucker for potato. And it's yep. something that like, especially now that I've, I've only been like celiac for about a year. So hot chips are a great one because I can still eat them. Um, but yeah, it's just a, they're something that I would eat them every day if I could. But <laughs> try not to. But um, yeah, we always joke like as praxis at footy games, we always have half t- halftime hot chippies. That's the physios always get together <laughs> and we get our halftime hot chippies. So it's a bit of a, a good... Um, good thing we do there every week so yeah sub sub question who does the best hot chips oh that is a really like i've that's a really hard question to answer um i really like i really like nando's chips which is like a very i feel like they're consistent is Mm. the thing with those so you don't often go there and they're bad so they're pretty consistent i really also just like it macca's fries yeah everyone like they're always pretty good as well so yeah but the list could go on. I yep. could talk about hot chips forever, so let's probably go. <laughs> Snits? Snits? I've heard those ones are really good, yeah. That's where the party's at. I've heard. I don't think I've had those before, so I might have to go and Mate. give them a crack. Snits is life-changing. Oh, get around there you it. Go. I'll have to go and give it a crack, so yeah. That's enough talking about hot chips. Yeah, that's enough. So now I want them for lunch, so yeah, yeah great. It's a great hot chip day today. The bit of overcast, gravy. No. Yeah, a bit of gravy. Yep, yep. Uh, yeah, health. We're in the health industry. Health, yeah. Don't eat hot chips every day. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so let's look at what you do. Yes. So we're here at the Praxis yes. Studios again. Yes. Um, spoke to Steve in season one. Yep. What's your role here at Praxis? Um, so I'm first and foremost a physio, but I also am pretty much the manager 
of all of the Pilates stuff. So I look after, we've got um, Pilates uh, studio here at Castledine um, and then one over at Tenerife. So we've got two, um, two small studios, only five reformers in each, but I pretty much look after all of the staffing and all of that sort of stuff for that. Um, I instruct a few classes a week myself and then I also do clinical classes, which is more of a physio side of things. So mm-hmm. um, they, I do a few of those a week as well on top of the stuff that I do as a physio. So yeah. kind of a bit of an all all over the place sort of stuff. Are you here at Castledine full-time? Yeah, Yeah. so I'm here full-time. So when I first started, I was the first physio that Praxis ever hired. So I've been with the business pretty much from day one, which is pretty exciting. It's been really good to see along the way, like how things have grown, um, which is cool because, yeah, I didn't really have much of a knowledge of business or small business or anything. So being able to watch, not that I've, yeah, being able to watch that kind of happen and grow and we're much, much bigger now than what we were sort of three and a half, four years ago, which is cool. Um, So when I first started, I worked between we had a few like satellite clinics so that kind of worked throughout mm-hmm. um but now yeah it's been good i can just kind of i work out of here full time now which is yeah. good so um yeah it's nice to have one place to go to work to every day For so sure. yeah <laughs> do you enjoy being in a small business as opposed to like a i don't know like a yeah you know bigger place yeah i actually really enjoy it so you kind of uh, yeah, it's good. I think we're less, we're, we're more people focused than, for sure. for, than um, business, like the sort of general franchise, there's mm. physio franchises out there. So the general franchise focus, I think they're more sort of like, let's see as many patients as we can in a week. Whereas mm-hmm. I think we're more physio focused, uh, like people focused and we really focus on um, yeah delivering a good service and people being happy with that sort of thing. So yeah. And I know like obviously small business, mm-hmm. when you find someone or people who share the same vision as mm, you or yeah. like same, I don't know, you know, morals or whatever yeah. when it comes to business or how they treat people or exactly, yeah. their philosophy is like, yeah. boom. And you- that's why I think um, with Stephen and Cam, the mm. other um, business owner of Praxis, it's all, they've always had a, like a people first um, mind frame, which I really like. Cause obviously being a physio, I came into that because I want to help people and I want to get people better. And mm. I think that in sometimes in physio can sometimes get lost in, but, um, yeah, that's why it's always been like a, it's all about, okay, let's deliver the best physio service that we can, or let's deliver the best Pilates service that we can. So that you build that rapport with people and physio and Pilates for that instance, it's, and most things these days, it's a word of mouth business. So yep. if you make one person happy and they're really happy, yes, they'll come back and see you, but they're going to tell their mom, their dad, their cousin, their sister, sure. all about yep. all about you. If anyone's like, oh, my back's a bit sore, they'll say, oh, you should go see these people because mm. they fixed me. So, yeah. yeah. Um, how long have you been doing physio? We'll go physio. How long have you physio, been doing physio yeah. for? Um, it's my fifth year out of uni this year. So, um, I think for about three, Praxis started uh, probably like three and a half years ago, four years ago. Yep. So, um, I did a start, bit of stuff just with the footy guys first. But then, yeah, so it's my fifth year out this year. Um, and then the Pilates stuff came after that. So, um, I'd always had a good interest in Pilates. But then, um, I sort of, it was that bit of a, yep, I've gotten patients good enough but now I'm sending them away with all of this sort of stuff, but they're not doing it. And then they come back and they're not better. So, mm. or they don't stay better. I'm yep. a big believer in like, I want to keep people better, not just get them better. So yep. um, that, so that probably came maybe like six months after I started physio, I went and did my um, training and all that sort of stuff. I'd had a bit of a background in some reformer Pilates myself. Um, as in you as actually in doing I'd, it? I'd done, yeah. I'd done lots of it before. So it seems like it seemed like a pretty easy, easy sell for myself just to be like, okay, cool. I love it. I know that it's fixed a lot of my niggles before mm. it'd be, great thing to be able to do with my patients so probably i think yeah it's probably been maybe two or three years since the um 
Yeah. We're, no, we're coming up to our third birthday. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. Yeah. So, it's been three years since we – the Pilates side of things. So Gotcha. Yeah. Um, with your – obviously, you're doing Pilates and physio mm-hmm. work. What's your split? Like, are you 50-50? Are you more um, so I'm, physio? I'm or? kind of like – I'm mainly, first and foremost, physio. And then I think the Pilates stuff helps to complement that on the side. So, yeah. I, um, I'm this year especially – trying to get a bit more of a focus less on so i'm kind of trying to get the general everyday punter pilates classes that we run um just have a lot of my staff which we've trained up their physio students so they're all really good they know what's going on um they can kind of take those classes away and then i've got a bit more of a clinical focus so they're the clinical classes are more again still small group but they're all people that i've seen in clinic or steven or nathan or someone has seen in clinic um and then we think that okay cool some strengthening would be beneficial for you you either like they've openly said that they're not going to do anything themselves, which a lot of people do. And it's good when they're open and honest like that. They're just yep. like, they're like, I'm horrible at rehab. I'm not going to do it. And that's why it's a really good path for a lot of people. I'll be like, okay, cool. If you come to this two times a week, you have to do nothing else at home. And that's, that's it. So, mm. um, but yeah, the clinical classes are everyone in there in that class is all doing different things. And it's all a program that I've written for them. So I pretty much write a program. We progress it as time goes on, but, and I'm just there to help facilitate them through that program. So yeah. um, I'm taking a bit more of a focus on those sorts of things at the moment. So I'm running five classes of those a week. And then I, I do lots of like one-on-one Pilates as well. So yeah, it's a sort of a, that's kind of the transition where people come for physio. I then get them into one-on-one Pilates, clinical Pilates, regular classes after that. Mm. So it's kind of that bit of a streamline effect and they can see that, okay, cool. I'm progressing because I'm kind of getting through those ranks, which is, which is good from there. So I'd say I'm first and foremost physio, but the Pilates stuff is taking, it's growing in terms of how much of that I'm doing as Mm. well. So, and even in my physio treatments, like there's not many people that I wouldn't eventually use reformers on. So even within session, I think we, I already spoke about, I'm a big believer in sort of like active rehab versus passive rehab. Passive rehab has its place, especially in the super acute time. So the hands-on treatment, it's good to get you feeling good, but then what you do at home or what you do within session is going to be what helps to keep you good. So it's a sort of thing where a lot of people, I keep talking about back pain, but it's easier things to do in terms of Pilates. They come in, they're like, I've done those exercises, but I just can't feel my glutes working because Mm. they've never really used them many times before. So we get them out on the reformer. There's a few really good exercises. I know that, okay, cool. They can't use anything else apart from their glutes doing that. So I know that they'll activate them and Mm. they'll be like, okay, I've never felt that before, but then they know what that now feels like. So that when they go home and do their exercises, their body kind of knows, okay, that's what I should be using. So that's what you're looking for. Yeah. That's what you're looking for. And it's, 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 it's this funny thing when people do that, like I've literally never felt that feeling in my life. And I'm like, yeah, so that's, that's what you should be feeling when you're doing your exercise. So um, even though I'm saying first and foremost physio, it's the, I'd use the the reformer stuff as part of my treatment sessions. And then as progressions out of treatment to be like, okay, cool. You probably don't need hands-on treatment anymore, but this is a great way to sort of get you better and get you feeling good. So yep. let's just do this and we'll kind of make a bit of a plan from there. So it's the, the feeling that you just had then mm-hmm. was like, Oh, I haven't felt that before. Yeah. When I get like clients mm. in PTs to, Work on that same vein. It's yeah. like, let's take a simple leg move and we're yeah. trying to get leg, uh, like glute drive mm-hmm. and they just can't get it. And yeah. then we'll, like, we'll go through different things. It's like, cool, that's not working. Cool, that's not working. Mm-hmm. Um, let's look at your pelvis control and yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And when they hit their it, glutes they, they working, get it. Yeah. And it's just like, boom, light bulb. Yeah. And for you, it's, I don't know about you, but for me, it's just like, oh, it's the best. Oh, yeah. Yes. And I've been doing this for like a, a bit now, but it's still like that feeling. I don't think that feeling ever goes away. And that's, nah. a, and that's the thing is like, that's sometimes when I'm like, okay, cool. I get excited about something really small like that. This is probably what I'm supposed to be doing for a living. Like it's for like, sure. it's the sort of thing where, yeah, most people are like, that's what do you mean? Like,
like that's not exciting and I'm yeah. like no it is like yes it's, it's really cool uh. and they're like oh yes I like oh someone there's those really difficult people where you've tried like I've tried to take him in the gym to do stuff and I try to do this and, I, and we finally get it I'm like okay that's really exciting like yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I, I'm so glad you said exciting I use the word excited mm-hmm. a lot in yeah. sessions like we could do a session I could do a session with someone and it's just full activation yeah and they get it yeah and I'm like this is an exciting session yeah. because you're going to get so much more out of leg exercises. hundred percent. And yeah. some of my guys listening to this now are going, mm-hmm. oh, that, he that's said that cool. to yeah. me. Yeah. Like, yes. And that's, and that's, yeah, I get excited over the smallest things where people, my patients are like, like, I'm excited about that because it's me, but like, it's cool that you're excited about that too. I'm like, yeah. yeah. And it's just because they're like, I don't know. I feel like giving something, someone something that they've never really felt before. And then mm. I know that that's going to help to facilitate them, not in the, just their workouts, but also in their everyday life. So it's like, okay, my patient, they come in and they get sore knees when they stand up from a chair, but it's because they're really hiking through there because they can't use their muscles. We mm. get them stronger. They're like, I can stand up from a chair and it doesn't hurt anymore. And for Tip. me, that's like a really exciting thing. I'm like, cool. Well, yep. And that's, so yeah, it's, a, it's, it's the little wins along the way. I tell patients all the time. Without it's like, yeah, it's like, that might not seem like much now, but you think about comparatively to three weeks ago where you're in eight out of 10 pain when you were trying to get out of a chair. Now you can do it pain free. doesn't seem like much, but think of how many times a day you do that. That's exactly. really exciting. So yeah. yeah, I use the, uh, the example of like bodyweight squats mm-hmm. and trying to make people like sweat on bodyweight squats yes. just by activation and control. Yep. And it's like, think about how many bodyweight squats you've done. A simple yeah. move yep. without having that feeling. Mm-hmm. And like, yes, hindsight. But now think about how much you can get out of bodyweight squats from here moving yep. forward. You don't need big heavy weights or fancy yep, movements. Exactly. It's the old brain tank. Exactly. exactly. Yes. That's all it is. Yeah. 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 Uh, you, we're talking about physio and reformer kind of working hand in hand in yes. your treatments. Yes. So that would you use a reformer bed mm-hmm. as treatment and then progress them into like strengthening stuff yep. yeah yep. so what role does normal pilates play uh so mat work pilates um i think that i am in i am training mat work pilates i don't really i think i use a lot of the exercise prescription in terms of my home rehab so sort of stuff that i can give people at home um obviously because not many people have reformers at home so some people do which is crazy they come in like yeah i've got a reformer at home i'm like that's right money bags that's an expensive thing to have at home but yeah. okay um but so mat work pilates is also really really good um I find that it, it helps out with my exercise prescription. So a lot of the things like that are really simple exercise, like um, supine, like glute bridge work, mm. clamshells, all of that, that's all mat work Pilates. Um, and it all is the same sort of principle. So it'll like get the little stabilizers working. So the big global muscles over the top work a bit better from there. Um, I, I just, I've found in my clinical experience that I just kind of like the reformer better. So it's something that I feel like we get fast track results a little bit more on the mm. reformer because it adds that bit of resistance because it's got the springs. So it is, it's a bit harder, um, but mat work's still a great place to sort of start out for people. So yeah, yeah. Would you, without generalizing, mm-hmm. would you say mat, mat work Pilates mm-hmm. is more so a different form of fitness and control as opposed to reformer yeah, or, it, potentially. or does it play its still play its it role still plays its role yeah i think it definitely still plays its role it's just a um yeah it's, it's something i hadn't really thought about they're, they're just very different things yeah. so there's something that it, they're hard to compare because they're they're very different like a lot of the stuff you do mat work kind of does translate over translate over and they've got the same like the whole pilates principles in terms of like imprinted spine and neutral spine and um all of your sort of core control is all very similar mm. and the breathing's all the similar so they, there's definitely carryovers in that um but they're kind of just really different forms of exercise so um i found for a lot of people 
people think the reformer is a bit of a progression from mat work. I sometimes, yes, there is a, you can definitely push reformer a lot further. I think in my opinion of what you can push mat work Pilates, because again, there's a, the, um, you can increase resistance and all that sort of thing. Um, but I've always, mat work can be hard because it's very open chain. So yep. there's, um, your body's got lots of degrees of freedom. Your body's got lots of movement. Whereas the reformer, because it's against something, it's against resistance. It kind of grounds you that little bit and it's a bit more closed chain. So your muscles, uh, they can work a little bit better with there. So yep. some people, I've lots of people found that mat work is harder to feel what you should be feeling versus the reformer work. Um, but it's kind of, it's a very individual thing. And some people love reformer and hate mat work. Some people love mat work, hate reformer. So yeah, they're two very different styles of training. So is that because in the reformer, there's mm-hmm. nowhere to hide? Yep. Yeah, but I think so. Yeah. Um, and it's the sort of thing where, especially if you get the, if you have an instructor or someone who takes you through it that gets the cueing right and you're in exactly the right position, like you can't not use those muscles. So yeah. it's something that um, there's there's definitely body, your body has ways to cheat. And there's people that are like, they get through and they're like, I didn't feel that anywhere, but mm. it's probably just because you weren't in the right position. So once you're in the right position, you got nowhere to hide. Like mm. it's just, it, and it's really going to struggle with, especially when you get people doing like foot in strap work. Like we get some of our footy guys on there who are like the semi-professional athletes, but but then you get them doing foot in strap work, which is very open chain that they don't do much of. And they really struggle. Like what is going on? Yep. My legs doing weird stuff. I don't know what's going on here. So, and it's just, again, because it's that very different form of exercise to what any, anything else is like it, like gym based loading. It's very much like, yeah, feet are on the ground. I'm doing this. This is for me. Whereas like you get in on a reformer and yeah, it's just your body's like, what's going on here? Cause it's yep. just something so different to, to any sort of other training. So mm. yeah. Uh, I just want to touch on business. We kind of not glossed over it, but mm-hmm. we, we touched on, you know, starting with Praxis. And, yes. Um, how did you actually get into working with Praxis? Uh, it's a bit of a long roundabout. So where Praxis has a good professional relationship with Aspley Hornets during uni. So many moons ago now is what it feels like. But during uni, I actually worked at the hospitality club during that was my job that oh, I did during, during the yeah, down at the, yeah, cool. at the Hornets footy club. So um, that's, I worked there just around uni times to yeah, in the bar and reception and mm. cafe and the restaurant and sort of stuff. And then um, one of the ladies who was the head trainer at the time at, um, Asper at the footy side so she was looking after all the footy guys was like look you're a physio student it'd be really good for you to come along mm. um so i yeah see you, up, yeah i was like see i'm out of here yeah. like i'm never waiting a table ever again yep. um and then so went down to the footy stuff and yeah ended up really loving it and i was at a bit of a weird stage with my physio that was in my last year so i was um it's all in your last year of physio you just do all placements so i was on five lots of five week blocks so mm. um but they were pretty much all hospital based and i remember getting in and i was like i don't know if i really like this and I sort of got to the near the end of my physio degree and I was like, do I actually want to be a physio? Yeah. I don't really know. So, and it's just, it's cool that with physios that there's all of that other thing, other stuff you can go into. But I myself personally just didn't really enjoy the hospital sort of stuff. It wasn't for me and it's not something that mm. I ever sort of look at getting into. Um, but so it was, it was kind of at a good time for me because I got out and I was like, nah, this is great. And I love this. And this is kind of where I want to be. So um, Stephen was there. Um, and then from there, it was pretty much the rest is history. So I did a yeah, little cool. bit with the Hornet, the, the, just just the footy guys. And then when um, I worked with Stephen for a little bit with his the company that he mm. works with. Um, and then when he started his own business, I was kind of the first physio that they hired, which yeah, was so really cool. So that's, awesome. that's kind of like the progression from there. That's, yeah. yeah, all been history. That's so, cool. Yeah. Um, we, you said you were like managing the... Um, the Pilates instructions? Yes. yes. Yep. Uh, and then also doing your own... Think back to, you know, your study for physio mm-hmm. or whatever. Mm-hmm. Being now that you're involved in a small business, yes. c- 
Can you, from a business standpoint, can mm-hmm. you, without naming names, can you or have you spotted people who, and you're like, I don't know if you're going to be able to hang in here. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Like. In terms of the business thing or the. As in like, maybe this isn't for you. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, yeah. There's, it's just, I don't know. I feel like, again, especially, oh, well, in terms of for the small business. Yeah. So if there's physios that come out and they're very money driven, mm. that's, I feel like small business private practice isn't for them. I feel like like we've, I'm in this because I like helping people more than anything else. So Excellent. Um, physios that come out and they're money driven, they'll end up in aged care or they'll end up in like hospitals. Some people love hospital work and I don't discount that because it's a great place to work. And yeah, mm. they definitely have skills that I don't have anymore because I've been out of it for so long. But um, that's kind of where in terms of the money making potential aged care Queensland Health, when you've been there for a really long time, that's kind of where you want to go. Mm. Um, so if people come out and that's kind of their number one driving factor, you can sometimes be like, oh, I don't know if that's going to, I don't know how long this is going to last for. Whereas you get people and you just, you kind of know them when you, you see them, you're like, okay, cool. Like you obviously, you really enjoy this and you love this. And this is, you can, you can see people being successful in that. So yeah. yeah. And that's the, I guess that's the flip side of mm-hmm. like finding someone in small business who is mm. on the same wavelength as mm-hmm. you. Yeah. You can very quickly see someone who's not. Yes, 100%. Yeah, yeah. when you can just be like, oh, it's probably not going to work very well. But yeah, yeah it's a, it's the people that, you know, yeah, just as you said, like finding that same wavelength and they're going to be the ones that hang around because it's, mm. it's kind of easy to come to work when you know that like you don't have to fight with people about anything or everyone's kind of on the same page and everyone just wants the best for everyone working there, which is always good. That's so, it. And yeah. if you are in the fitness and health industry and your prime objective is not to help people, yeah, you're in strife. You need to reassess. Yeah. It's the same thing with physio. Like we're, we're here to make people feel better and do things that they want to be able to do. Like, um, yeah, I had a patient the other day who came in, he again, lower back pain, but his was pretty bad. But before he came and saw me, he wasn't able to walk a hundred meters without having any needing habits to stop. And then the other day he came and said he did a three, kilometer beach walk with his wife and hey. i was like then that's like things like that like that's why i do my job mm. when i said that i was like thanks for telling me that because that's like that's made my day yeah this is why i come to work but like and if you're not going to get that feeling when people say things like that to you or if, or if you're just like oh that's pretty cool like yeah this isn't for you so and the flip side of that if you don't kind of go why why isn't this person taking steps forward oh that's one oh, it's one of my pet peeves is like I'm the sort of person pe- person who's like if I have to see someone weekly forever I'm not doing a good job if I have to see someone if I'm seeing someone for five or six weeks and they're exactly the same I'm not doing a good job and I want to know why they're not exactly. getting better and that that why is like okay cool we're, we've obviously missed something we'll go from there so I often um, we like just as physios we kind of end up seeing people who are like they're being mismanaged other places and it's like okay cool let's really and we spoke about before we got on mic that we kind of take um our long initials with our patients yep. so um i feel like that kind of sets us apart from a lot of other physios that are out there because with when you're an initial patient you're new to us we spend an hour with you so that's a okay cool let's really get down to the to the nuts and bolts of what's going on how long it's been going on for um, why and that why and that's the big thing is it's a um, let's let's figure out why it's happening so we can fix it versus just chasing our symptoms because if it's just chasing symptoms and I have to see you weekly forever or twice weekly forever that's not good enough for me so it mm. shouldn't be good enough for the patient either so and that's the thing I think I'm pretty sure I said this in Steven's chat too mm. it's like if your physio does not do a initial like assessment and mm-hmm. consult and just mm-hmm. go straight into treating yeah they're not doing a good you, you got to ask questions yeah yeah, and that's the thing is like because you don't know what you need to do with someone until you figure out what's wrong with them. So mm. if they just go straight into treatment, it's just it's like I don't know what they think. You like what are you treating? What are your outcomes? How do you know that if your treatment was effective because you didn't assess anything to start mm. with? So and that's yeah, and that I'm 
usually you want to see that progression and, and and I get excited by that progression and so it's something where yeah that's that's again why I do that so yeah I remember um I tore my rec fem mm-hmm. and it sucked yep and <laughs> I straight away I was on the phone closest physio I was like yep. hey I need to come in yes. I've obviously done something yep. yeah yeah sweet had a lay down had a prod around and he's like you you obviously need scans cool mm-hmm. then I kept going back to him because he was the first person that I saw yeah and it was like heat pack, yeah. tense machine, yeah, nah. bit of a rub. Yep. And then I was like, well, obviously doing what I do, I was like, cool, what's the rehab process from mm-hmm. here? He's like, oh, you know, we'll look at things like squats and, and lunges when we're capable. I was like, yeah. I'm not coming back, bro. Yeah, like, no, no. I'm going to go do my own thing. Yeah, and I think that that's, that's an important thing where if you're not happy with the level of like the if you're not happy with one their explanation like i feel like that's something that i've worked really hard with as a physio is explaining what's going on why it's happening what we're doing what we're doing and where the end goal is like Mm. in your first session i kind of like yes there's always going to be gives and takes in terms of time frames and all that sort of thing but it's the sort of thing that's like okay cool this is what i think is going on this is why i think why that's going on we're going to give you the stuff to do today because that will transition us into the stuff that we get you doing long term which is your goal where we want to get you back to there Mm. so it kind of gives them that bit of a stepwise progression so they kind of know where my brain is because there's no point me just doing what i do and then they leave and be like i don't know what's wrong with me or like no one's going to do the rehab if they don't know what they're doing it for so i think that's a big thing that i really try to do in terms of okay cool you know what's going on you know why you know what i've given you now the onus is on you to do it so that you get better so sure because as i said before like rest in itself a lot of people are still and that's because like 20 years ago physio was a okay cool bed rest for two weeks and then we'll deal with it from there but Mm. we know now that there's literally like maybe one percent of things like stress fractures that you need like complete rest from or bits and pieces like that but nine times out of ten complete rest is the worst thing you can do for anything so it's all about and that's what i think a lot of people get nervous coming to physios because they're going to think that we're a bit of like a stop in terms of okay you need to stop doing this 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 and this but if i'm telling someone not to do something i'm giving them three other things to do instead Mm. so um we're not here to sort of stop people yeah. doing anything so uh you mentioned working with aspley hornets yes uh do you work with the top side the needle side uh, yeah so i did the needle season last so, so i've kind of done a bit of a i was i did four seasons i've done four seasons with aspley so first mm-hmm. season i was with needle and then went back to qfa for a couple of seasons um won a couple of flags there which was cool hey. and then that was great um and then i did a needle season last year so yeah, cool. kind of i've and i've done bits and pieces with the women's and yeah i've done lots with everyone there so yeah what's the role like when you're there on game day, mm-hmm. so is it just game day that you're there? Uh, so we do trainings as well. So Tuesday, Thursday nights, and then game days on Saturday. What is your role if you're there? Physio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So elaborate. What, yeah. are you, so, what are you doing? Um, pretty much, especially you get there, you get everyone strapped. So there's usually like, especially at Neefal, so it would usually be Stephen, myself, and then a trainer. So mm-hmm. she's there, um, usually Chloe, one of the girls, she helps out. That was last year. Um, so we get there, we strap everyone up, which for a team of that many people and the amount of tape that a lot of people use it actually is a pretty big job getting everyone strapped and getting everyone ready so mm. can strap an ankle in my sleep now hey. um so that happens um and then depending on like a training night it'll be if anyone has any niggles new injuries we kind of have a bit of a look at that and sort of get them doing the appropriate things of what they should be doing um or any new injuries that occur in training um game days are a bit different in terms of it's pretty much a wait and see so any sort of feel good stuff people need before games we do that and then it's a you sit and you watch and hope that nothing happens, happens fingers yeah. crossed so um on a good day you get paid to watch footy which yep. is great on a bad day there's an acl and a shoulder and lots of other things so yep. um it's either not much or everything that happens all in one day but so is it like preparation monitoring mm-hmm. and then like 
and then afterwards, accident assistance, if, pretty much, yeah, yeah. or injury, so, whatever. Yeah. If there's if there's an injury, we pretty much we yeah. If it's a bad injury, we'll stretch them off. If it's and that's the sort of thing where the good thing at Nefal is there's always a which is the top side. Um, mm-hmm. There's always a doctor there, so it's the sort of thing where if there's a really big thing that's like in terms of concussion or neck injury or that sort of thing, they kind of manage that. Mm. There's a um, bone that's not normal. Yeah, yeah. That, that doesn't look right. Your ankle's facing the other way. Um, it's a but then when I was at QFA, because it was a lower sort mm. of uh, a lower comp, there was a sort of thing where like I was the in charge medical person there. So if anything like that happened, it was kind of like, so in some aspects being at Nefal is a little bit easier because there's more people there to manage all of the stuff. Whereas yep. at Q- and at QFA, it was kind of just like, a, oh, okay, cool. This is me. If something happens now, like this is my choice. So yep. um, concussion's a big thing with that. No one likes dealing with concussions. So it was always nice at Nefal to be like, that's a doc's call, not mine. So yeah. Sorry. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Um, is that something you want to like continue down the path of as in like work, yeah. working with sports guys? Yeah, or? sports is sort of stuff. Um, I really like working with athletes for their mindset more than anything else. So mm. it's like a, I don't ever have to fight people to get them doing well actually you do sometimes but um it's a usually they're like okay cool i need to get back doing this as soon as i can what's everything i can do to get me there Mm. so that's what i really like and that's that's what i figured out is that that's like not only athletes have that like i treat lots of people that are like that and they're just like weekend warriors and they love that but then they're and so that's the sort of stuff that i like treating though like the the sporting sort of injuries where it's like a um okay cool we have an end goal so that goal where people want to get back to being like okay cool i want to get back to playing this sport in this position the part i really like the part of my job where i like it's really cool to have i've had some people come in with some weird sports lately i'm like okay i don't know what that is but it's a i have to then i have to go and watch and look at that and be like okay cool they need to be able to do all this they can't do that now how do we get them there so mm. that's what i really like about the the sort of sporting stuff people want to get better which is something people are usually happy to do things for themselves to get themselves better which yeah. is another thing from there um on that point, mm-hmm. you said, yeah, they are more likely to do their rehab. Mm-hmm. Um, who is more likely to do their rehab? Mm-hmm. An athlete or general population? Um, it kind of depends on what level of athlete they are. Mm-hmm. And like like I've seen some athletes that do nothing and yep. I've seen some that are really like hypervigilant and they do everything to the T and we have to be really careful with how much we prescribe because they'll just do more than that. Yeah, exactly. Um, I did it 10 times today. Exactly, yeah. It's like, well, I probably need to do it once, but that's okay. Yeah. So, um, so I don't think it discriminates a lot of the time. So sometimes with athletes sometimes it's part of their job. So it's like, they kind of have to, it's like, they mm. don't really have a choice. And if they don't, we tell the coach and the coach rouses on them. So it's something where that is a bit of an easy sell in terms of if they're, yeah, if they're not doing anything, we can just be like, Hey, they're not getting better because they're not doing anything. And then that's no, that's kind of out of our hands now. Yeah. And usually they pick that up pretty quickly. Um, but then in terms of, again, the general pop, most people are really good. And I think that comes down to the education side of things as well. So just like I said before, I've figured out that if people know what they're doing and why people are more likely to do it. There's a thing with that. So, um, yeah, especially, and that's what working in like a a center like this, a lot of the people that come here are people that already exercise regularly and it's Mm. just something, although they play tennis or they play squash or they do bits and pieces from there. So, um, they're not opposed usually to having a couple of exercises added in. So the thing with that is people are actually really good, in terms of if I give them exercises, they're like, I'm not going to do this. And I'm like, okay, cool. So then, but then it's all about me changing the way that I deliver that. So it's not, I'm not going to, for someone who openly says that they're not going to do any rehab, I'm not going to give them 10 exercises to do. Mm. I'm going to give them one exercise to do that isn't going to, I'm not going to say it is rehab. I'm going to be like, okay, every time you get up off a chair, sit down and do it three times in a row. Sneak it in there. Yeah, sneak it in and do it. So it doesn't feel like it's rehab. It's more just, um, 
like just part it becomes a part of the routine yeah. so and that's like things like when people after ankle sprain need balance retraining balance mm. retraining so boring and no one likes doing it but it's like a okay cool when you're brushing your teeth just stand on one leg so yeah. it's something just trying to get bits and pieces in there like that is usually a pretty good way to get it in so again yeah back to the question i don't think yeah. <laughs> i don't think it i don't think it really discriminates a lot of the time so again i've seen athletes that are excellent athletes that are not excellent so yeah just because they're an athlete doesn't mean they're going to be better at doing the things we tell them to but yeah. um usually they have yeah the, the good ones they usually had that bit of a drive to be like no i want to get back to playing so I'm, i don't even if i don't like it i'm gonna do it anyway yeah so. uh so let's stick with the, the needful side just mm-hmm. from last season yes what was the most common injury you came mm. across uh so it, in afl it's pretty um it's usually like any sort of lower back knees hamstrings shoulders they're the kind of they're the big ones from there so um not lower back not like usually not acute injuries but they're sort of like a lot of people get a grumbly lower back it's hard with our needle side because they're um playing against like semi they're playing against professional afl clubs in the lions and the suns and that where it's their job whereas all of the guys that played us we they also have full-time jobs and half of them on the tools every day so mm. it's really hard for them to sort of like look after their bodies as well when it's not their full-time job to look after their bodies so um a lot of them have sort of lower back because they're on the tools and then they have training and then games on the weekend um but yeah hamstrings knees especially acls and um we saw a couple of acls last year i have a particular interest in acls so i could talk about them forever <laughs> and um shoulders so um yep. shoulders like shoulder dislocation, that sort of stuff. They're the kind of common injuries we see. Lots of ankles last year, actually. We yeah. had lots of ankle injuries last year. Um, sticking with needle side from mm-hmm. last year, mm-hmm. when you get them on the reformer stuff, mm-hmm. what is the most common imbalance that you see yeah. in, in how they operate? Glutes not doing their job very well. So, And you can usually tell that by watching someone, like how they run or how they move. Mm. Um, they, yeah, their glutes, they're just not doing their job at well at all. And yep. you get them doing a really simple, it's one of my favorite things to do with the footy guys is you get them in and you do a bit of like a one-on-one or I have a class of just the footy guys and they're like, oh, that must have been a really hard class. Like I like as if I just pitched it just to them, but yep. then they come to another class and some people have been like, that old lady next to me was on high ice springs and doing better than I was. And I really struggled. I'm like, yeah, it's just because you're not very good. Yeah, like, Stay in your yeah, lane, brother. Yeah, exactly. But it's sort of thing like, don't compare yourself, but it's also like, it, don't underestimate how, and like I said before, it's one of my favorite things where people come in like, ah, oh, this will be easy. And it's just a bit of a stretch and mm. a bit of active recovery. And they leave feeling like they've worked really hard. That's, I really enjoy getting that feeling out of them as well. Cause we know we use it a lot for the active recovery. So yep. it's the sort of thing where, um, like on a, if you pulled up particularly sore or, or your body's not feeling great, that's a good way. Like active recovery could be a pool session or a reformer session or something like that, just to sort of get your body moving again. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that's it. We usually use it well with those guys. Uh, I'm going to be self indulgent for a sec. Yes. Um, so I am someone who uh, is running, mm-hmm. like pushing the half marathon distance. Yeah, great. Um, I've had problems with hips and glutes. Mm-hmm. And I know when I run and I fatigue, mm-hmm. I go. Du- tilt. Yeah, I go yep. duck ass and yep. lift to the rib cage. Yes, correct. Snap judgment. Uh-huh. What's the weakness? Uh, Glutes, hamstrings, lower abs yep. is where I would be with that. So Now, how does one, okay, as I'm performing, mm-hmm. how does one try and control that? Or is it a, you need to strengthen? It's and- a strength, yeah, but especially if you're doing distances like that, it's mm-hmm. likely you fatigue into it. So we see it a lot in AFL as well because they obviously run really long distances during games. They'll often all fatigue into that sort of anterior pelvic tilt where the mm-hmm. hips will come forward. Um, it's a strength game more than anything else because, again, you're not going to be able to hold that position for a long time mm-hmm. if, um, like, you can tell yourself to the cows come home, okay, tuck your bottom under when you run or up nice and tall, glutes on, or you can say, get, try and give yourself cues, but unless you've got <laughs> the strength to 
hold that there that's going to be the issue from there so mm. um and that's why because yeah your hamstrings and your lower abs kind of attach onto your pelvis and they kind of what holds you in that position um so that will that generally yeah so hamstrings glutes lower ab strengthening mm. is going to be important with that it's funny like i asked before if sorry okay. I, I asked before if you're uh, in tune with your body and how it feels yes and it's funny i can fully understand how my body mm-hmm. feels when I'm doing something. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I can tell on my run mm-hmm. when my glutes have stopped working because yep. my right knee mm-hmm. slash base of my quad yeah. starts to take more of the load. And yes. like, that doesn't feel normal. Yeah, exactly. It's like, I don't think I should be using that muscle like yeah, that. Exactly. So, yeah, and that's it's just being kind of in tune with your body and kind of knowing that, okay, cool, well, that's kind of probably where I start to fatigue, which isn't the worst thing in the world. And if you can get through your run, then mm. fine. Um, it's the sort of thing where if your pain after, like if you had knee pain after that was getting worse, we'd mm. probably have a bit of a chat about maybe reducing your distance and just doing some strength training. Because especially with runners, I say to people, like I've treated a few runners where – running isn't the best training for runners a lot mm. of the time. So um, the strength training makes you a far more efficient runner than just running will. So yeah. it, like, especially people who are training for like halves and full marathons is that like the amount of times you'll actually run a half marathon or a full marathon before you actually do it is actually pretty minimal. Yeah, exactly. It's a, you do, yeah, especially you do your sort of shorter training as long with a lot of strength work to get you stronger and better mm. from there. So yeah, it's, yeah, I do those ones where I'm fatiguing. I can mm-hmm. feel it. And it's like, come on. Yes, get, I just want to do it. Yeah, get your hips in, get your hips in, yeah. get your hips in. Yeah. And it's like, oh, fuck it, I'm just going to get it done. Yeah, exactly. And that's what the thing is, you can, you can again, you can tell your body that sort of stuff till the cows come home, but in, unless you've actually got that strength to hold you there, then you're not really going to be able to do it. So yeah. it's something where, or you do it and then it's like physically you'll just come out of it again. So it's mm. something where you've just got to, yeah, the strength in the long term is going to be what kind of helps out with that sort of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, coming, like, let's, let's just take an injury. Mm-hmm. Let's pick any old injury. Mm-hmm. Let's say someone's just torn their hamstring. Yep. Um, First point of call is obviously rest. Yes. Okay. There is relative. When, yeah. When yes. there when there is a tear or something, mm-hmm. you I would believe that there is a rest mm-hmm. period. Yeah. Relative rest. Yeah. The thing with that is, um, even in hamstring tears, we get them doing some form of strengthening pretty much straight away. Mm-hmm. So, like your body is actually really good at regenerating itself and repairing itself. So pretty much as soon as you do it, your body's kind of already laying down new muscle fibers, and yep. they actually they kind of get laid down in a really unorganized fashion. So yep. early strengthening is important to try and get them in a really nice, like um, congruent fashion again. So yep. it kind of like reorganizes it and makes it a nice hamstring muscle versus a like big yuck part of your muscle. It'll stay there. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if that in the first, it's actually a really cool study coming out about hamstring tears now that you don't have to um, like pain free strengthening. You can, you can kind of push into a bit of pain and it's okay. Mm. There is a period of like rest in terms of where you shouldn't be running or you shouldn't be doing this. So you shouldn't be doing that, but there's definitely things you can get from like day zero on the sideline. Like if at footy, someone does a hamstring, usually mm. we'll get them doing some form of like isometric strengthening. So just yeah. like some hamstring activation stuff for the first couple of days, just to make sure that it's still working and still switching on. So mm. yes, rest is important, but again, rest, there's not many things where full rest is important for yeah. so yeah relative rest is what i tell people a lot of the time so um you don't want to be pushing into things that you're like oh that really hurts it's yeah. something that a yeah bit of discomfort with things here and there you should still be getting up and moving as much as you can especially with muscle tears like you want to make sure you're still loading it but just within that sort of like 
less than three out of 10 pain sort yeah. of realm. So is it a progressive overload or is mm-hmm. it, if you're activating, we're good. Um, so it's a progressive, it, you want, we want it to get overload. So we pretty much, we start isometrically just to make sure that things are, things are going on. Mm-hmm. Then we pretty much progress them out of that pretty quickly to do some like supine bridge work and some, and that will then progress to some like single leg bridge work into this sort of stuff, into that sort of stuff. So mm. it's just a, that's kind of like the first stepping stone in terms of where we start and then we kind of progress from there. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, kind of spoke about um you know people not really grasping the concept of pilates earlier Mm -hmm. and this is kind of in the same vein Mm -hmm. the brain plays a massive part in like activation and injury injury recovery and all that kind of stuff do you think that gets overlooked yeah i think so definitely so um i say to people yeah especially acute injuries is might be a bit different but it's the sort of thing where especially people that come in and they're like oh my back's been sore forever it's never going to get any better it's Mm. probably not if you tell yourself that so it's something where or it's like oh my hamstrings like it's this i'm just going to rest it and not do anything because that's all i can do because my hamstring's torn Mm. it's just like yeah you may have a hamstring tab you still should be able to do stuff and that's i think yeah it's it's the positivity around injury without sounding too woo woo is something that that's um yeah it's kind of you need to you need to think the best for your body for it to get there kind of thing yeah. so yeah if you if you put all these negative thoughts in your mind that things aren't ever going to get better or it's going to take forever for it to get better or it's going to happen again then it probably is so mm. yeah uh i we spoke about it before it's mm-hmm. like you got to search for that feeling yeah especially in pilates and things mm-hmm. like that it's yeah. like you got to know what feeling you're looking for exactly, and- yeah and that's i usually tell patients in terms of especially after acute injuries that there's good pain bad pain it's mm. the sort of thing where if, if i've given you an exercise most of the time in the early stages especially with like muscle injury i'm okay with a little bit of pain because mm. you're in pain anyway we may as well be doing something beneficial for it to get better but then there's that bad pain where like usually like sharp stabbing pain or pain that's like high level that's bad pain you should be avoiding that yep. so just being able to kind of like differentiate between those two Work sorts of things and, yeah. yeah yeah pain that, and that's what uh, some people come in and they um it's just again people that are untrained and they've never really done much in their life they're like oh that really hurts and i'm like does it hurt in your spot or does it just hurt and they're like no it just hurts here i'm like no that's muscular pain yeah. like, that's what we want when we're working you mm. hard so it's hard to and that's what but because they've never felt that they don't know whether it's good or bad so mm. it's something that yeah i think and that's why we make sure in session with physio as well or pilates it's the sort of thing where we're here when you do it for the first time so that we can tell you if it's good or bad so mm. if you don't know what you're feeling like i don't know what's going on here we can say like is this good pain is this bad pain i don't really know so yep. but we can kind of confirm that for you a little bit and then go from there we uh kind of touched on speed mm-hmm with Pilates and whatnot. What are some of the common mistakes you see people executing in a Pilates session? Yes. Okay. So, um, yeah, speed's one of them. So just trying to go like really, like really hard with your reps. There isn't many exercises where we give you a number. So it's something where a lot of the, well, especially that's actually, that's a lie in terms of classes. So, um, yeah, no. So in terms of, um, like the clinical classes, it'll be more like numbers based because it's more like a, I'm going to give you three sets of this, or it's more like that out and out strength. Cause that's what we're usually trying to get in the people doing the clinical stuff. If you just come to one of our regular, classes a lot of the times there isn't many exercises where they're like okay let's do 20 of these so it kind of what i like about that is that it kind of takes out the people feeling like they need to rush through those many reps so it's something where i'm just you're going to keep doing this until i tell you to stop so Mm. let's slow it down we'll control it and we'll go from there okay um listening not listening to cues is another really big one so i'm the sort of when i instruct classes i kind of 
I kind of look around and if someone's doing something wrong before I go over and correct them, because a lot of people can feel like they're being picked on a lot of the time if you just go over and correct them a lot. Say what it to I'll, the group. I'll say it to the group because also if one person is doing it wrong, there's probably two or three other people within the class that are doing it wrong as well. So usually I'll cue that, but then if they don't correct it, then I'll go over and correct it from mm. there. So um, it's something where just not listening is another another big thing, which a lot of people don't. Again, I get, I've been in classes before, you kind of just get in the zone, you're like, I just want to get this done. So, But listening to those cues because especially with reformer Pilates or any Pilates for that matter, like the tiniest change in your body positioning, you'll feel like a crazy amount of change in the muscle recruitment from mm. there. So it's something that, that that's a big, a big thing from there. So positioning, speed, um, they're kind of the, the biggest thing. So just making sure your position's good is the mm. thing. So and you, then you're in the right position. And then not also, if you're doing Pilates somewhere and you're not feeling it where you should, don't be scared to ask for help. Oh, so Get out of my head. Like, yeah. I was literally <laughs> just about to say that. Don't be scared to ask for help. So something where if you if, say so like, oh, you should be feeling this in your glutes and you're not, just say, well, I'm not feeling it. And then usually it's something really small, like, oh, push your hip back here or mm. keep your knee up a little bit. And it's something that, okay, cool. Well, that tiny little fix was enough to get you feeling it where you should be. So For sure. And yeah. that's why I say to people in like their PT or group yeah, or whatever. It's not, it's not even just in the just in the Pilates realm that's in everything if someone's telling you you should feel it somewhere and you're not say something it's yeah. not because it, it's like and then it's their job to get you feeling it where you should so and in the same vein it's you don't have to crack the sads about it no. we can change it yeah and if you don't feel it it's cool let's look out why we're yeah. not feeling and that's it. there's not a I'm a big believer in there's not a one size fits all for anyone it's a mm. sort of thing it's like one exercise that works really really well for one person or for majority of people there might be someone that that's just not a good exercise for so mm. we can try and try and try till the cows come home but if you still can't feel it I'm going to give you something else instead that's not a failure on your part it's just a it's a, a, yeah exercise is not a one size fits all for, for sure so for sure yeah uh being someone who's in the physio world and mm-hmm. the pilates realm as well mm-hmm. what is your view on stretching uh look i have here we so, go controversial i've chat to, to patients a lot about this because like they again a lot of patients that have seen physios elsewhere they'll be like oh i've given i've been given all these stretches to do the thing with that is stretching it's not, it might make you feel, it's kind of like the passive treatment stuff that we do within session. It'll make you feel good for a day or two or make you feel good for a little bit. But unless you fix the cause of why those muscles keep getting tight, it's not really going to make that much of a difference. So I often tell patients that tight muscles are weak muscles. So if your body has all of this range, but no strength to control through that range, often what it's going to do is it's kind of want to tighten up to try and that's its method of control. So usually if you do a bit of strength training and get a bit stronger, you'll find that your joints move better without the need for stretching. Okay. Mm. In the early phases, stretching might be important in terms of some like symptomatic relief around things. So you can do the exercise you need to do to get better. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's, I'm a big believer in, unless it's something that if you enjoy sitting down and doing a 50 minute stretch session once or twice a week, great. But if it's not something you enjoy, it's not something you really need to be doing all that much. And it's not, you don't need to stretch. You might, you might be someone that you get like one muscle gets tight you just need to just stretch out you don't need to do everything all the Mm. time kind of thing from there that's kind of my view on it do you feel like stretching like has just been lumped in with yeah recovery stretch yeah 100 where stretch could be like improve range of movement to a certain extent or yoga or whatever there's so many other ways you can do that and that's that's the thing is, yes, I tell people, especially before like before overhead lifting, I'll always tell most people to sort of like foam roll through your mid-back and do all that sort of stuff so that you primed yourself for movement. But it's sort of like a that's stretching in itself is like one piece of a really big puzzle where I think I think it's just it's a because it's a well known thing and people know kinda know how to do it, they think that 
that's the only way to do it. Whereas yeah, there's yoga or this or that, or just finding something that works well for you. Cause I don't know. I can't remember last time I did a stretch to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> like, um, I, I do like some, I do some foam rolling work or some mobility work when I feel like I need it, but it's something that I don't often, I'm not someone who like sits down for a stretch, mm. especially not prior to session. Like, yeah, yeah they know static no. stretching is not good at before exercise. It's no. more of a dynamic warm up. Yeah. Afterwards, if I feel like, oh, I'm feeling a bit yuck here, I might give it, but mm. yeah, I can't remember last time I did one myself so yeah yeah i i know we mentioned earlier that it doesn't really discriminate like Mm -hmm. athletes general population whatever let's discriminate a little bit Mm -hmm. i'm very inquisitive like i always think to myself i would love to get person x Mm -hmm. into my studio just Mm -hmm. to see how their body operates Mm. is there an age a job a sex a uh you know demographic Mm -hmm. a sport person Mm -hmm. that you would be interested to get into Pilates, like oh. just to have a look at and just see how their body operates. Yeah. Um, I feel like that's been really cool for me with the like young athletes. Like I've seen quite a few how like young athletes come in like the around AFL. That's been really cool because even um, again, they, they play footy at a pretty high level and there's some things that they really struggle with and that, that shouldn't be the way. So it's, but that's pretty cool. Um, yeah. I, I just really always like to get, um, like just office workers, people that like desk warriors that just sit at their desk for eight hours a day. Um, I always find that really interesting because it's like, it's hard work for their body to do stuff after sitting down a lot of the day. And that's, it's, I always do lots of stuff to like posterior chain to sort of like open things up because it's, it's crazy what sitting for eight hours a day does to your body. If you Mm. don't then look about all of the other stuff that you need to be addressing. Um, yeah, all the different sports I think would always be like, I'm, I really enjoyed watching most sports so I think I've watched bits and pieces and I'm like oh that'd be really cool to see like differences side to side especially really unilateral sports like something like a tennis that'd be really cool to see um as just to see if their their strength would be similar side to side or if there'd be really big differences side to side or it'd be cool to see someone like a swimmer how they go with a more land-based training versus Mm. it in the pool training I think that'd be really really cool as well so I always think that watching like tennis Mm. or I don't know. Let's even take a quarterback in, in like NFL yeah, or whatever. It's like, is one side just yeah, awesome and one side rubbish? You'd think, it, well, you'd think, you'd hope one wouldn't be rubbish, but you'd think that in a sport like that, it's okay to have a bit of a stronger side, yeah. I think. So, yeah, that's the thing is when we do all of our strength testing and all that, ideally everything should be one-to-one in an ideal world. But you'd think in a, like in a unilateral sport – you're probably going to have one side that's a little bit stronger. Like we see it in our AFL guys. Often their stance leg and kicking is like a bit stronger than their kicking leg just yep. because that's their planning leg. So, and then the flexibility then, of yeah, the kick. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So it's something where that's – and that's a that's a learned effect of their sport that they played over time. Yep. So that's there's nothing really wrong with that. And it'd just be – that'd be – yeah, the more those unilateral sports would be cool to see on mm. the reformer because that's one thing that reformers really find out quickly is that asymmetry side to side. You can kill it on one leg and you flip over and you're on the other side. You're like, this feels so hard. Mm. Like, why is this so much more difficult than the other side? I think golfers, like yeah. I'm just kind of thinking out loud. I think golfers would be interesting yeah, purely because there's few, hips and core. Yeah, yeah. We've had a few like more like recreational golfers. I haven't had any professionals, but um, yeah, that like that rotary um, component and yeah, like hips and core and glutes and all that sort of stuff to see. That's That was, that was really, that was pretty cool actually. And we've seen some really good improvements with that sort of stuff. Because mm. um, yeah, again, with golf, a lot of people think, oh, it's just this and it's just that. But if you get your hips strong in your golf, like you're a much better golfer, like because it's that that's where a lot of your drive should be is from that back hip, especially when you're driving, like coming from that back hip as you're going around. That's where, um, that's where a lot of it should come from. So yeah. Yeah. it's funny. I have three um, recreational golfers mm-hmm. and they know who they are. So mm-hmm. I won't say yes. their names. <laughs> All three of them. Yep. 
have bad mobility through yes. like their hips and their lower back. Mm-hmm. All three of them are rocks through their neck and mm-hmm. shoulders. Mm-hmm. All three of them have side strains now. Yeah, of course. And that's the thing is your body's always going to find the path of least resistance. So mm. if, that's, if that's kind of a, yeah, if that's where you are, then it's, it's always got to find the movement from somewhere. So mm. I say that to people all the time in terms of like in the physio world, in terms of like when people come in and their lower back sore, but I end up treating their thoracic spine because it's, it's outrageously stiff through there. And like, if that isn't going to move, you're going to have to get that movement from somewhere. So it's either going to be in your neck or your back or your lower back or something like that. Um, on another thing, in terms of the recreational stuff, I kind of sell rehab a little bit with um, people who are wanting to get better at the sport that they are playing. So yeah. I'm on a, I'm on this, and I want to be playing off this or something like that. It's a this isn't just going to get you all pain free. It's going to make you a better golfer or a better runner or a better mm. this per because yeah, again, just your like body's I said, restricting you. Yeah, and just like what I said before, in terms of um, like running isn't the best way to train runners a mm. lot of the time. Nine times out of ten, like with with golf, if you get stronger through your hips and through your obliques and through everything that's going to make you be able to hit the ball for longer and Mm. like you'll you'll be better at golf just because you are stronger same with like as a runner you'll be able to run more efficiently because you won't have to put in as much effort so you'll find that you're running faster and for longer and so that's why i kind of i use that frame a lot with people who are like i don't really want to do this anymore Mm. it's a okay cool this isn't just going to get you pain free or just isn't just going to get you better in normal day life it's going to get you better at the sport that you want to be playing so Mm. Which, yeah, that's usually a big enough motivator for a lot of people. So, If we go to um, – back to the, like your sports guys for a yes. second. Do you guys put much emphasis, if any, on nutrition and the role it plays in like fueling and recovery um, and things like that? Or? I, yeah, we don't have a particular nutritionist. Yep. Um, so I think we have – they do – we do like a weekly wellness every week in mm-hmm. terms of um, that we go through like outside stresses, how your body's feeling, soreness, all that sort of thing. So I think it would, nutrition would probably come into play with that if they were like for weeks on end, they were saying their body was just like super sore all the time or mm. that, things like that a bit of um, like showing signs of that overtraining in quotations that mm. we spoke about before. Um, Cause nutrition can definitely play a, a play a role in that. Underfueling. Um, yeah. Underfueling like and that sort of thing. So, and um, so yeah, and that how they sort of score on that will always affect sort of, how we manage them that week in terms of what training load we give them or mm. um, if we pull them aside for a chat about anything in particular. Yeah, the interestingly, yeah, the club doesn't have a nutritionist, but it's a sort of thing where um, we've got a like an S&C guy and we've, yeah. we've got a bit of a knowledge around that. But it's a sort of thing where if we have someone that's like really struggling, we'll just refer them on to someone else. So yeah. obviously we've all got to know our scope and that's not really in physios or yeah, exactly. in ours. So it's the sort of thing where, yeah, I know bits and pieces about it, but if it gets to the nitty gritty of things, mm. I'm just going to refer them on to someone who knows it far better than I do. Exactly. So, yeah. Um, and just cool. like with other people, stay in your lane. That's yeah. like, it's like, I know how to fix injuries. I don't really know how to fix diets. So it's the sort yeah. of thing where if that, that's if we're, and usually you can pick it up pretty easy. It's like, if they're an interstate, someone who's moved from living at home and they come up here and they don't really know what they're doing. It's the sort of thing where it's like, okay, cool. Maybe you should go and have a chat to these people or mm. that sort of thing. So, yeah, I had, yeah. I had someone approach me after a group last night mm. and they said, Hey, um, my hips clicky mm-hmm. on these exercises. What's mm-hmm. what's that? And I was like, well, okay, yeah, that could be a million things. Five hundred thousand yeah. things. Yeah, I'm gonna tell you what you can do yeah. in my realm, and yeah. then if that doesn't fix it, yeah. you'll go and see someone. Yeah, and that's the thing is, I we like to think that we're physios here. That we, yeah, I think there's a lot of, especially in the health industry, there's a lot of. Um, like you kind of people kind of get scared that okay if I refer them on to someone are they going to come and like stop coming and seeing me whereas 
I'm a big believer in, okay, if there's, if there's pain involved, that's usually when a physio should get involved is the, is the thing. So if they've got an injury and it's painful and it's like restricting them from doing something, then that's a, yep, that's, that's when they should come and see us. Um, and then, but I like to say like, I'm not someone to say like, stop your training and just do what I'm giving you. It's like, okay, cool. Let's, um, let's get you doing what you need to do these few modifications. And I speak to like PTs and that sort of stuff all the time and say like, they've got this going on. We just need to back off this, but do this instead. Mm. So, and yeah, I think that's know your scope, but also, yeah, just know, find yourself a good group. If you're, yeah, if you're a health professional or someone working in the fitness industry, just find yourself a good, like, um, like, yeah, circle of people that are again, like-minded, just For like sure. the same with business, but yeah. just find a, you, yourself a good circle of people that you like, you like-minded, you kind of all on the same page and you can kind of go from there. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. We've spent a bit of time now talking, um, about your roles and we look at different mm-hmm. aspects of you know what you do here mm-hmm. i want to talk about yourself yep all right yes okay. deep questions yes no. uh why did you want to get into physio when you first started yeah a physio for me was actually it wasn't really something that i ever saw myself doing to be honest so when i was in high school i wanted to get into medicine originally mm-hmm. i just missed out on that and then i was like oh maybe i'll go and so i did a year of a science degree just to try and i was like okay cool i'll do i'll go through medicine that way so i always knew i wanted to work in health so i always i've always been really fascinated by the body and how it works and all of that sort of thing um but then i got a year into my science degree and i was like i hate this i don't see the benefit of this and then i also don't want to be at uni for the next 10 years of my life yeah so that was a big thing for me then i was like okay cool and i pretty much got like the uni guide out the qtac thing and i was like okay i went to health and i looked through and i was like do any of these appeal to me Mm. um so i pretty much just listed them in terms of ones that appealed most so physio was at the top of that list because i as i said i really enjoy sport of pretty much all Mm -hmm. i always have it's just something that not so much like i'm again i'm not super coordinated I've never been good at sport myself, right. but as a spectator, I really enjoy watching sport. And I think it's really interesting the things that athletes can get their body to do like that. Mm. I think that's really cool. So physio was kind of the top of the list for me. And then just kind of like there was other stuff along the way and then ended up getting into physio. Um, really loved it from yep. the get go. So it was something that I think for me, it kind of everything kind of just fell into place and I've kind of ended up where I should, which is, which is kind of cool. So yeah, um, yeah loved the anatomy side of things, loved the like, I really like that, um, especially musculoskeletal physio, it's kind of a puzzle. Like if someone comes in, I'm like, okay, cool. You've got this, what's causing that? Mm. And that's what I really like about it. So yeah, physio kind of got into it on a bit of a whim, but I'm glad that I did. So yeah. yeah. Once you find that path or hit that light bulb moment, yep. it's like, cool. Yeah. No looking well, back. So from my first couple of weeks of uni, I was like, yeah, okay, cool. This is where I'm supposed to be. Like, mm. I really enjoy this and I love this. And I feel like it's something that I can be passionate about for the rest of my life. So yeah, yeah which is good. Was Pilates another feather in the cap or was Pilates specific to here or Um, so no so as I said during uni Pilates was kind of what I did as my exercise Mm. so I really liked it even just like years ago like Mm. I've been doing Pilates for years and years now um and then as I was like as I was learning I was like oh okay cool I can see how and I think like most private practices these days have at least one reformer in them, but I think that's a relatively new thing. Like when I was going through uni, it was a, like there was only very few studios that had like reformers in them. And yep. I didn't, I don't think the clinical side of things was as big, whereas now it's becoming a, a much bigger thing because there's all of the new research out about how like exercise is pretty much good for all things in terms mm. of arthritis and all that sort of stuff. Um, so there's a lot of, a lot of clinics that are using that. So I think it was just a bit of a natural progression of things because it was something that I always really enjoyed and I could see the benefits of it for my patients. And especially now that I'm out and I'm, I'm doing it with my, like my patients and they're getting better and they're staying better. It's something that it was just always a bit of a natural progression from there. Mm. 
Uh, you said you're a little bit unco at sports. Yes. Um, did you actually play any sports? I played netball when I was younger. Yep. So um, I, yeah, that was pretty much my main. I've tried lots of things. I dabbled. <laughs> I was a bit, when I was a kid, I dabbled in a bit. I've tried tennis. I tried soccer. I tried actually when I was younger girls sports that girls could play was pretty limited so yeah, there yeah. wasn't it wasn't it's really cool now to see like there's you can play whatever you want which exactly is cool. and it'd be interesting to see like if I was growing up now if I would change what I ended up playing because mm. I kind of just played netball because it was like the easy that was your choice to, it yeah. was a choice I didn't really I, know I hated swimming so it was either netball or swimming and swimming is not for me so. I was just trying to think <laughs> yeah. of things I was like oh what's what are they like girl sports yeah. like back netball, in the day swimming yeah soccer was yeah. kind of that I was horrible at soccer um Anything with a racket or a bat, if there's an extension of myself, I suck. I'm no good at Hand-eye that. Hand-eye coordination. Hand-eye coordination, no good. I was actually not too bad at netball, but then I um, I was, I was like to play goal shooter or goal attack, and mm. I stayed five foot five, so that you can't really be a goal shooter when you're five foot five. Um, and then sort of like coming into uni, if you want to work in sports, you kind of don't really have a huge amount of time to mm. play things yourself. Yeah. So you kind of have to make that bit of a choice, being like, do I want to keep playing or do I want to actually – pursue a career in sport yeah. or working after hours in private practice or that sort of thing so so rep squads were never really a nah, thing not, not for me i'm more of a yeah a bit of a recreational and then yeah. like i'm i'm a big like watcher like i love yeah. watching sport and seeing yeah like the biomechanics of sport and all that sort of thing i find that really really interesting what what's your sport of choice to watch um now it's afl which mm-hmm. is interesting um when i was growing up rugby league was my sport of choice i think as a brisbane girl that's kind of what you yep. what you're bred to to grow up watching and then i remember my first game i ever went to an aspley of afl I'd never watched a game of AFL in my life. And I was like, what the heck's going on? What like the is ball this? Was, yeah. The ball was on the ground and people are running from everywhere. And there's like, it looked really messy. But yep. now that I understand the game, I know that it's not messy at all. It's, it's actually it. very structured. Yeah. Um, so AFL is probably my sport of choice now. I really enjoy watching cricket is another yeah. one. Hey. Yeah, which is something that... Um, that people usually don't expect. Um, cricket, another, my dad watched a lot of cricket growing up, so I was kind of, again, bred to on, do that. Yeah. Um, tennis, I really enjoy the tennis. Like, I've been to the Open a couple of, like, when I was at uni, I used mm. to go to the Open every year, which was good. Um, yeah, a bit of everything, really. There's yeah, not cool. many sports that you put on and I won't find interesting. Mm. I can't think of, I don't, yeah, soccer, football. Like, I understand excellent athletes and I love treating soccer players, mm. but it's one sport that I can't really get around of, especially now that I watch a lot of AFL and it's very fast paced. Yeah. Soccer is like three goals in the game and that's it. If you're lucky. If you're lucky yeah. So yeah, it's kind of a, it's union. I, yeah. I don't get, I don't get I don't it. Really get union I don't either. get it. I don't get union either. And maybe it's just cause I haven't really watched much of it before, but that's one mm. thing I just, I don't really get it a yeah. lot of the time. So yeah. yeah. Um, what keeps you going? What keeps me going? Ah, oh, that's a great question. Actually. Mm. I, I don't what, know. What keeps you getting up at five o'clock? Uh, well, firstly, I just, I actually am really enjoying my exercise routine at the moment. So actually like, I'm kind of look forward to getting up and going there every day. The getting up is the hard part. Yep. Once I'm there, I'm like, that's why you got great. three alarms. Yeah, yeah exactly. So yeah. I got three alarms. Yeah. And still sometimes I'm like, oh, I'll set a fourth one just in case. Yeah. Um, so that I know, I love how that makes me feel. And then I think, I don't know, I just, I've always, ever since I've been here and I think practice is a big, big part of that. Like I've loved, I always Stephen and Cameron are really good in terms of they always make me feel valued is the one thing. So I think that's one thing when you like can sometimes get lost in the bigger franchise as well as you come to work and you're just another person and then mm. go from there. You're a cog in the machine. Exactly. It was like where I'm here, like I'm valued. When I do a good job, I get praised for it. It's something where – and I also – 
just I like the feeling of making people better and getting seeing those improvements in people. Like I think that's probably what keeps me going. And mm. and that that can look like lots of different things. Where it's like a, if it's one of the footy guys, we get them back to full and they like yeah they're playing back and they're they're back. That's mm. that's that's exciting. But then again, like I said that other day, there was that guy who couldn't walk 100 meters and now he's doing a 3k beach walk with his wife. Like that's unbelievable. Or yeah, just being able to be pain free to do something like put out the washing. Like that's yeah. things like that is just it's pretty cool that I can help people to do stuff like that and that might not sound like much to some people in terms of the like putting the washing on the line but for that person who struggled with it for two years and it's been hard because they've always had to rely on other people to do that like Mm. that's pretty cool that i can help people to get back to that you've you've helped life yeah exactly which is cool and i don't think there's there's not all that many professions out there that can say that which Mm. i think is really cool so are you uh internally driven or externally driven so do you draw um drive like Let's take a session. Mm-hmm. It's like, cool, I'm going to come in and I'm going to try and change this person. Mm-hmm. Or do you go, cool, I'm going to go through the process and if it changes this person, that's that's going to keep me going. Nah, so I'm very much like a, I want to change them is yep. the sort of thing. So yeah, I like, is that internally or externally? Internal. Internally, yeah. I want to, yeah, <laughs> yes. Yeah, so internally driven. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to, I go in and I'm like, okay, cool. I want to change them and however we do that is like, that's very different for everyone. Mm. So yeah. Uh, we've touched on it a couple of times now, like, Obviously, you give rehab or mm-hmm. advice, and mm-hmm. every health or fitness or well-being person can mm-hmm. attest to that you will give advice to someone that mm-hmm. falls on deaf ears. Oh, 100%. Yeah. When that happens, mm-hmm. like, is it a frustration yeah. where it's like someone comes back and it's like, why am I seeing you again? Yeah. I think um, early days, it was really like, I've been a physio for I'm doing Pilates stuff for a while now, where early days, it was a bit disheartening to get out and be like, okay, cool. I've told them what they need to do to get better, but they're not. They're not doing it. And then it makes, and it would used to make me question like, am I any good at my job? Like, I don't know. Cause no one I'm seeing is getting any better and everyone's just kind of the same. And, but now like four years on, I'm a bit more of a realist in terms of like, I can give that whole, like you can lead the horse to water, but you can't make them drink. It's the same mm. thing in terms of like, it's the same thing in terms of everything. Like I can tell people what they need to hear, but unless they want to hear it, it's that that's a completely different thing. So, um, yeah, it's something that if they, if they don't want to hear what I'm telling them, then okay. But then that's also in a thing. It's also then my job to try and rephrase that and try and get like, find something. So usually you can find something with most people if they can say like, Oh, like uh, I can't do this or it's easy with like new parents and that sort of thing in terms of like, oh, you want to be able to run around with your kid or you want to be able to do like keep up with your find grand. Their motivation, you want to find yeah. their motivation. And that's the thing is that you you can, that's really easy to skim over that. And it's, it's yeah, as a newer, as a new grad a couple of years ago, it was easy to be like, okay, cool. This is all they need to do. Why aren't they listening to me? I've told them the steps, that sort of thing. But mm. I'm a big believer in, unless there's someone who's just like openly, there's people that come in and they've said like, I'm not going to do anything you tell me to do, but I'm happy to come keep seeing you. I'm like, well, firstly, I don't really want that, but anyway, yeah. those um, sessions just drain the life. Yeah, out of it's you. just because it's the same thing over and over again. I don't, and I'm someone that really enjoys using my brain. So mm. some physios would probably relish in that, and it's just a bit of like a touch up. See you later. Mm. That I'll take your money. Whereas I, that's just just so mind numbing for me. And I'd get to the end of the day, and I'd be like, that was the worst day ever. If I had yeah. to do that all day every day. Um, so I think it's just, uh, some people are like that, but usually with people, and that's why I think something that I have worked really hard on and that I pride myself on is like my education of things to people. So that, that why they're doing it 
and then find their motivation and say like, okay, cool. Let's relate what's going on to what is your motivator and mm. try and bridge that gap. So they've come in, they're like, I can't play golf or I can't run, or I really enjoy like lifting my grandchild above head and I can't do that at the moment. So finding that as a motivation and then breaking down all the steps that you need to, so that it doesn't feel like it's cause yeah, a lot of the early day rehab doesn't really like you can't easily see the correlation between where it's going to get you. So kind of breaking down what you need to, to get from it. And I said that before in terms of sport, like that's what I really like. You watch that. Like I watch a new sport. And I'm like, okay, cool. That's what they need to be able to do. Break that down. If I'm doing that in sport, why don't I do that with general pop everyday yeah. population? So it's something where if someone comes in and they said like, this isn't what I can, this is what I can't do at the moment. Okay, cool. That's the end goal, but we have all these steps that we need to tick off along the way. So I often say that to patients too, in terms of if they ask for a time frame. I'm like, I'm not someone who goes off time frames a lot of the time. I'm more of a, okay, tick the boxes along the way and then you'll get there. So mm. I can give you a rough sort of thing, but it's going to be a, some people speed through it in three weeks. Some people take 10 weeks, but it's just a, you need to tick the boxes along the way. Otherwise it's going to, you're not going to be able to get there. So. But, but also in that, on the same line, it's like, how many weeks did it take you to get to this point? A hundred percent. Yeah. It's, a, it's one of my things when people come in, they're like, oh, my back's still sore. I'm like, all right, you've had back pain for 10 years. So yeah, your back probably yeah. is going to be sore. And I say that to people all the time that unfortunately pain. So as a physio, people come get rid of you to get rid of, see you to come get rid of pain. But unfortunately pain is one of the last things that will usually go away. So what you'll find is your pain will stay relatively similar but your function will increase slowly in the background. So you'll find that you'll be able to do more things with a similar level of pain. And then if you do that for the amount of time that you need to, then your pain will sort of start to go away from there. So it's not, I like to I tell people that very early days so that they're aware of what they're doing because people come in and they're like, oh, I'm still the same. Nothing's getting better. But then I say like, okay, cool. Before you couldn't walk upstairs and now look, you can do a whole flight of stairs without even thinking about what's going on. Or mm. you weren't able to, you couldn't sit for a minute and now you can sit for, through a whole movie and it doesn't give you any grief. So it's the sort of thing we're just trying to like, yeah, pain, especially if you've had pain for a really long time is a really poor outcome prediction for most people. So it's something where we've just got to kind of focus on your function a lot of the time and then the pain will sort itself out over time, which is hard. It's just a hard pill for people to swallow a lot of the time because they come and see me to get rid of their pain. Mm. But it's something where it's like, you just kind of have to wait it out. And yeah, if it's taking you eight years to get there, it's not going to take you eight days to get better. What so, do you mean I'm not fixed? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So it's just like anything. Like you can't just go from doing nothing to running a marathon. It's mm. like you've got to train along the way. It's the same thing. You've got to train yourself out of this pain that you've had for a really, really long time. So. One of the hurdles um, I run into as a, I guess, instructor or teacher mm-hmm. or whatever, and you would be as a practitioner, yep. is working out people's learning techniques. Yes. Do you run into those little hurdles, like especially like Pilates based? Yeah, like- definitely, definitely. So I'm a, oh yeah, I'm a big auditory learner. So I, again, early days, it's easy to think like how everyone learns is the way that I learn, mm. or how I learn is the way that everyone learns. So it's the sort of thing where you've kind of got to, and I can cue you until the cows come home, but then if that's not the way that they learn, it's not going to help out from there. So that's why, especially in Pilates, I use a lot of hands-on cues. So there's not, and by hands-on cues, I pretty much get them into that position and say, yep. like, okay, keep that there. Um, so that's usually that cueing. Um, but yeah, trying to figure out what works for some people because some people just don't get it. And mm. that's fine because it's very different to, it's just, they learn differently. And then that's why we've got, we've got the mirrors in the Pilates room as well. So some people are obviously visual and say like, okay, cool, look at this. This is where this needs to be. Let's keep it there. So mm. it's the same when we're teaching people exercises to do at home like yep. home exercise sort of stuff it's like a, okay yeah some people are visual or some people like i'll take a photo and that send them home with that and that's what they've got or they're those little cues that i'll just write down two cues that they're, they're the things that help out with that so mm. yeah it's, it's always just trying to figure out what works best for them 
Uh, as we round out, um, we want to get a little bit deeper and then we're going to roll into some advice. Mm-hmm. Okay. So mm-hmm. for you personally, what is the best part of your job? Oh, that's a big, that's a big question. Hey. I think, I think we've kind of already discussed on it, that mm. feeling, like the, just that feeling where people are like, I can do something now that means a lot to me that I couldn't do before I came mm. and saw, saw you. So that can be lots of different things to lots of people, but just knowing like that exciting feeling, that, that excitement was like, okay, cool. You could do that when you couldn't do that three weeks ago. Like that's, I think that's probably the best, my favorite part of my job. Yeah. Yeah. What are the, what are some of the more frustrating parts of my job? Yeah. Yeah. When people don't do what I tell them to do. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> It's the sort of thing where it's like, and that's, and again, we've already spoken about that where I'm a bit more of a realist now where some people just aren't ready to hear what I tell them sometimes. So they're going to need to want to change. Yeah, exactly. And that's, if people don't want to change, they're not going to, is the thing that I've kind of come to terms with until pretty much what I, the way I see that now is if I, if I can preempt something. So in terms of like, I'll, I'll do all the talking at them in terms of like, I'll say like, this is what's going on. This is why if you keep doing what you're doing, I, I think this will probably happen. They'll leave me like, ah, whatever. Like, it'll be fine. I'll keep doing it. If they keep doing what they're doing and that does end up happening, usually they end up coming back. Cause they're like, oh, okay, well you saw this coming. So it's something that I, um, I probably should have listened to you then. So mm. now I'm going to listen to you now. So that's probably the most frustrating part when people don't do what I tell them to do, <laughs> which is fine. <laughs> These that's things fine. happen. You that's be fine. like that? That's fine. That's all right. Uh, <laughs> to put you on the spot, mm-hmm. what is the greatest slash one of the greatest success stories that you've, like clients that you've trained? I think that one I've already spoken about, like the, so he, the, he came and saw me and he has, um, the walk person. Yeah. The walking yeah. guy. So he's, he's probably like a early forties, early to mid forties. He's actually a radiologist. So he's got like pretty good understanding of his own body mm. um but he has pretty bad spinal stenosis so pretty much where the like the nerves start to get um impacted by thing and then anytime he went into so he couldn't even extend through his lumbar spine so he got to he couldn't even like get to extension mm. um he couldn't walk for more than 100 meters without bilateral so both side pins and needles and feel like he needed to rest so he'd have to like crouch down let everything rest and then get up and go from there um so his quality of life was like really affected he couldn't really do much mm. to, and he's only 45 and yeah. he's on the barrel of surgery and we know that back surgery these days it's not like in terms of the outcomes of back surgery it's not often good it's the sort of thing where you want to try and avoid it mm. as much as you can some people it works really well for but it, they never go into a back surgery guaranteeing that you're going to be any better coming out and then you've obviously but yeah there's lots of important things around there so it's something where just if i like look if i was like going in i probably would try and avoid that yeah but so we pretty much we got him in we did some strength testing he had some pretty horrendous strength testing so we got him like he's so he's been coming to reformer stuff pretty much the way we start the clinical stuff is we say like all right let's do twice a week for four weeks we'll reassess see where we're at and then we'll kind of go from there by that four weeks he was so much better. His strength had pretty much doubled through his hips. Everything was much better. But now, so he's probably been coming for maybe like two or three months. And this isn't, he's just coming to reformer stuff. I've given him a few things to do at home, but it's nothing huge. And that's why I take, I like to take the rehab out of it for people and say like, this just feels like exercise. It doesn't really feel like rehab. Um, and now, yeah. So he said the other day, he's pretty much pain-free when he was in a constant pain level all the time. He could only walk for a hundred meters, but now he's walking three Ks on the on the sand which is a, that's hard yeah. so um and he pre- he's pretty much just said like look you've prolonged like me needing back so like so it's things like that where i'm just like that's cool and that's that's probably one of my biggest ones getting back i spoke about before i have a big um like love not love acls are bad injuries but <laughs> in terms of um i could talk about acls and knee injuries till the cows come home it's kind of like where i that's if i was to choose something to specialize mm. in that's probably where i would go um and getting acls back 
is really exciting as well. So yeah. I've seen, again, working in AFL, I've seen multiple of them now, but um, it's the sort of thing because it's a nine to 12 month recovery. It's not just physically draining, it's mentally draining. There's lots of fear that's associated with it. There's a, so being able to help someone navigate through that and see them from like nothing to getting back to full potential. Like that's really cool. I really enjoy that as well. Mm. Uh, last question before we move into our advice. Mm-hmm. What do you do for you? What do I do for me? That's actually one of my things this year was I wanted to do things more for myself in yep. terms of um, like get a hobby yep. because it's the sort of thing where, especially when you work in sport, you can, those things can kind of fall to the wayside because you're sure. training two or three nights a week and then games on a Saturday and then yep. you've got one day on the weekend to kind of like get things from there mm. um i would say at the moment i think my like exercise routine is for me so not just the workout part but i have like two of my best friends well three of my best friends we pretty much like after gym we go and get a coffee and like we sit down we have mm. half an hour coffee in the morning and that's something that that's a really good part of my day like i really enjoy that um and then another thing that i want to start doing i played um like I was a bit when I was in school, I was a bit of music, played guitar, did yeah, that cool. sort of thing. So I kind of want to like rekindle that. Yeah, I've cool. got one; it's been sitting there with getting dust on it for mm-hmm. like five or six years now. So I think it might be time to pick that up and kind of yeah, I'll try and harness a bit more of a creative. Not that I'm creative at all, but a bit more of a creative side of myself. So something that keeps your mind stimulated that mm-hmm. is not work. Not work, yeah. Yep. And because like I'm a bit of a physio nerd and a Pilates nerd in terms of like it's easy for me to like just listen to physio podcasts or it's easy for me to and I'm like my brain needs to a break sometimes just yeah. from that sort of stuff so yeah getting something having something else that's yeah gonna get me thinking but not about this is mm. gonna be yeah something from there yeah cool yeah uh so i always like to round out my podcast episodes with advice mm-hmm. yeah so it'll either be i'm gonna tell you to give advice to certain people or yep. advice to yourself okay cool okay yes um so what advice would you give to athletes and when mm-hmm. i say athletes people playing sport yes for recovery. For recovery. Um, don't underestimate sleep is one thing. So getting adequate amounts of sleep afterwards is important. Um, nutrition, they're kind of the two biggest things in terms of recovery, like sleep and nutrition post game, kind of like the most important things from there. Um, and yeah, just making sure that you're watching for any of those warning signs. So I always say to people, niggles are far more easy to treat than a injury, especially in that recovery phase. So if something just doesn't feel right or doesn't feel normal to how you usually feel, get it looked at sooner rather than later. But yeah, I think again, for recovery, sleep and nutrition, and that doesn't just have to be athletes. That can be like anyone doing gym. I know I probably said it bad before when I get six hours sleep a night, <laughs> but um, if you're asking your body to train regularly, like you should be aiming for seven or eight hours sleep a night. So yeah, yeah, it's something that that's probably sleep, nutrition, most important thing. Advice to general population who constantly deal with the same ongoing injury slash niggles. Mm -hmm. Yep. Um, Go get it looked at is one thing I would say to people. Um, Yeah. The thing with that is uh, usually it's a pretty easy fix in terms of like a lot of people think that because they've had a niggle for a really long time or an injury for a really long time that it's a life sentence. It's not at all. Usually it's a relatively easy fix in terms of like adding a certain exercise or adding this or adding that or just finding a a way of strengthening that helps you so usually a niggle doesn't need to be that it's something that you can fix relatively quickly as long as you again listen to your body but yeah just get a look like seek professional even yeah even if it's not a physio go seek someone that you think like could speak to a pt or something in terms of getting um stronger because usually i tell my patients all the time nine times out of ten you can strengthen your way out of things so get strong and usually that helps to fix up 
a lot of those niggles. Not even strong, just get moving. So mm. I see people like, yeah, like if I, I understand why office workers get back pain because if I sit at my desk for a couple of hours, my back gets sore. So mm. I can't imagine people that are doing that every day, but it's just the sort of thing like just get moving because usually your body loves that. So just try and find what works for you and yeah, go from there. On that same vein, I just want to throw my two cents in. Mm-hmm. Um, if you go and see someone mm. for an injury, mm. And it doesn't help mm-hmm. in the first session. Mm-hmm. That's fine. It's one mm-hmm. session. Yep. But if it also doesn't work after four weeks, that's fine. Move on to something else that does. Like, exactly, yeah. It's and not, that's, oh, it's, this is me for the rest of my life. Yeah, I said that yeah, just before about how things aren't a one-size-fits-all in exercise prescription, but also not in everything. So what works for someone just isn't going to work forever. And yeah, that's why I'm a big believer. People come in, especially, I again, keep referring to backs, but it's because as a physio, that's what we see lots of. But back pain is another one, but people think that, oh, I've had back pain for 10 years. I'm going to have back pain forever. No, no, not like that at all. Usually you can kind of like, you can fix, tweak little things here and there and find, just find what works for you and find consistency with what works for you is a thing. So a lot of time with these niggles, that's why I spoke about before. I'm a big, like I say to my patients, I want to keep you good, not get you good. So it's a, okay, let's cool. We're pain-free. Pain-free isn't the end goal. Let's find something that will keep you pain-free. So it will feel less like rehab, be it a, a like a gym class or a Pilates, a Pilates class or three walks a week or something like that. But something that's going to keep you moving in a, that's going to be a sustainable thing for you, but it's going to keep you good in the long term. So, mm. yeah. Uh, advice for people who think Pilates is all Lorna Jane and booty work. Ah, give it a go. That's a good <laughs> that's the thing. It's especially with um, like males is one thing. So Joseph Pilates, the one who made Pilates was a male. So mm. Pilates was invented by men. Um, so it's a sort of thing where males, especially they come in and they just, it's, it can be a bit like, Oh, I'm going to Pilates. Like that's a, that I can get how that like mm. gender stereotypes, that's you know, not something that's common, but it's a sort of thing where like, just give it a go. So like, you may as well come and give it a try, but it's not going to be just all like stretching and Lorna Jane and mm. all of that sort of stuff. Like it's pretty bloody hard. So mm. it's something where if you, if you give yourself, you can, yeah, you can work yourself pretty hard. You know what I love about it though? Like you work, hard when you're lying down and is there anything better than that so that's usually my sell to a lot of people it's like you're lying down but you're working hard so is it any better but relax yeah exactly no it's actually like it's just it's very different to any sort of other training whereas it's a very focal burn so it's Mm. something where you're like okay i know exactly where i'm feeling this versus a my whole body hurts kind of thing so Mm. yeah that's my advice give it a crack uh advice to yourself Mm. walking into the gym for the first time Mm. uh don't try and do everything all at once. I think that would be it. So um, also don't, I think I, I I can sometimes be a bit of an overthinker. Like walking into the gym for the first time, you can kind of just think about like what other people are thinking when you're there. But someone who goes to the gym regularly now, I never look at anyone else. So it's something where like no one's looking at you yeah. is a thing. So that's kind of like, that would be my biggest advice. Be like, no one's looking at you. No one's stressed at what you are doing. Just kind of go in, do your stuff and then mm. leave. And then also, yeah. Don't, I said earlier on that I'm a bit of a bang bust. So I probably would just say like, just take it slow. Yeah. yeah. When you're first starting, just take it slow. You don't have to compare yourself to someone who's been doing it for 10 years. So stay in your lane, lane, take it slow and go from there. Uh, And finally, advice to yourself, day one Mm -hmm. slash week one of Mm -hmm. your physio career. Mm -hmm. Um, Day one. I think don't um yeah yeah I think day one it was a I had a big problem when I first started where I would just second guess everything that I was saying so Mm. just like just be confident in what you're saying um also 
on the contrary to that, I think it would be like, you've got so much more to learn. Like, this is the thing. It's like, you kind of get out and you're like, oh yeah, I feel like I know what I'm doing. And then you see a couple of people, you're like, shit, I know nothing. It's just because it's a, and that's why the first year of work as a physio is really hard because you're like, yes, you're out of uni, but you're seeing all this stuff and you're trying to put everything together. And like, I feel like that learning curve in the first year out is probably just as big, if not bigger than any time you spent in uni, because you're, it's okay. It's all well and good to know the knowledge, but trying to apply it in a clinical sense is, is so much harder. So I think the, yeah, just back what you're saying, but also be ready for a big learning curve that year mm. is probably what I would say. Mate, podcast. Oh, Dansky's. How exciting. Thank you. No worries. It's been a pleasure. Uh, if there's a couple of takeaways from this, it's obviously get your stuff looked at. Yes. Number one, stay yes. in your lane. Number yes. two, yep. and come give Pilates a crack. Yeah, give it a crack. It's something that, yeah, yeah, as I said earlier, you might take a couple of sessions to feel comfortable and to feel like, not think like, what the hell am I doing? But um, it's definitely, it's just something different to add in. And it's, and it's, I like to use Pilates not as a replacement for anything else. It's a, this will really help to, with all of the other training that you're doing. So it'll help you stay injury free firstly but also it usually will make you much more efficient in terms of your running or your lifting or all that sort of thing so using it in conjunction with other forms of exercise is really important if you haven't already follow praxis physio and praxis pilates on the old instagram and the website is uh so it's praxis physio pilates and massage oh that's our facebook sorry <laughs> um nameless a shameless plug um our website is www.praxisphysio.com.au that's it and you can book and see all the uh about section and what they do on the website for all the different practitioners em it's been great awesome thank you so much for having me no worries so there we have it episode two of season two in the books as i mentioned in the intro uh, i've actually started seeing emma as one of her clients um, and it is painful but in the best way uh, it is great for working on muscles that don't usually get worked. Uh, so for me, it's try, trying to help my athletic performance. For you, it could be recovering from an injury that you've been carrying for years now. So like I said, Reformer Pilates is a great way to work muscles that don't usually get worked. Don't think it's just for a, um, a certain demographic or a certain age group. It's for everyone. Have a crack. I was in a, a class the other day and it was me and a, a bloke in his 50s or 60s. So it is for everyone and anyone. Jump onto the website, have a look, have a read, book in your first session. Other than that, guys, get your niggle seen to whatever you got to do, rehab, exercise, healthy eating. You just got to bloody back yourself. All right, see you in the next episode.